and welcome to Hour the Hundred podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 27-year-old marketing coordinator and television critic. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. Today we have words to say about the 100 season 7, uh, slash the 100 in general. So this is our post-series podcast. It's a podcast in three parts. Um, part one is going to be us talking about your emails that you have sent about the finale. Part two is a discussion with Selena Wilkin um, from Hypable. And part three is us answering your questions that you guys sent in. So uh, I guess uh, let's get started. Um, I'm going to do a lot of reading now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for your emails, by the way. Yeah. Uh, very much appreciated. Mm-hmm. And all your questions for, for part three. We're very excited to answer those. Yes, I prepared all of my questions. Uh, we did uh, record our thing with Selena this morning. So uh, if we get to a point in your email in which we go, we'll talk a little bit more about this later in the podcast with Selena. That's just uh, how it's going to be. And to be honest, uh, the conversation that we had with Selena about the thing is probably more interesting than the conversation we would have had without Selena. <laughs> yes. So you're really getting the best of the best here. <laughs> All right, so um, our first email comes from Katie, who uh, sends us emails all the time. So uh, here that is. She says, Well, hot damn, they pulled it off. I'm not going to go on about things I really liked in the episode, because just as one doesn't like hearing people trash something they really enjoy, it's annoying to hear someone prattle on and on about something you really didn't like. Out of respect to you as hosts and to your listeners, I'll keep this short. The performances were wonderful. Everyone really hit it out of the park. Special mention to Marie Avdropoulos, who was on fire this episode. Her comic timing was on point, and her battlefield speech was full of such heart and passion, it gave me goosebumps. Lindsay Morgan also gets props for her return to peak Raven these last two episodes, and of course I have to say how much I loved Eliza Taylor. She looked exhausted and over everything, and I felt it in my bones. She's just that amazing. Regarding plot points, Murphy Namori's end was touching and sweeter than I ever thought would happen for those two. Jackson and Miller's dance was unexpected, but also super sweet. Maddie not wanting to leave Clark made me choke up a little bit, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to dwell on Clark's greatest love, but I will say I was very happy with the reveal. Clark standing up for herself was just awesome. I love that aspect of her character, and it really did shine this episode numerous times. The actual end was super satisfying to me. I was very pleased with how we left our characters, and what a remarkably sunny day in BC. The episode wasn't all hugs and puppies for me. I'm very much not a U2 fan, so the music was annoying in a pivotal scene, which took me out of the moment. <laughs> too much Levitt, too little hope, and too little echo. The Hope Jordan scene was uncomfortable, wrong, and cheesy. And really, the fact that the entire series ended with people turning into glowing balls of light was an odd choice. That's certainly not where I would have thought the series would end up, but here we are. Was it perfect? No, but I was smiling at the end and was left with a soft, fuzzy feeling in my chest. With how I felt about this season in general, the bar was so low it's hard to imagine the finale not being ostensibly good. But it really was. It may be the honeymoon phase or the endorphins left over from seeing Lexa twice in the episode, but I really do think the finale was much better than I had expected. Well, it's been a wild ride, and I feel all the better for it. As my wife pointed out, we've never been this personally invested in a show before. The fact that we've traveled across the country and over a border thrice to a convention and have met a majority of the main cast really made this show something special for us. We're sad to see it go and on such an odd season, but we look forward to watching it in its entirety again in the future. And a giant thank you to everyone associated with the podcast who kept me entertained and allowed me to bounce my crazy thoughts and theories off of someone other than my wife. Now, hopefully I'll be able to start Lost so I can fill up my Aficionados podcast dance card. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to your coverage of seasons one to three, whatever the format may be. Thanks for all the fun times, Katie. That was really sweet. Thank you, Katie. Yeah, I agree. I think that I 
wish I had the positive feelings about it that you did. Um, but I definitely agree that this show was something special. And I've also met a whole bunch of the cast. So I agree that that made it more special as well. Because most of the cast is so lovely. Yeah. Unity Days was just so fun. One of the like highlights of every year, for yeah. sure. Um, certainly this year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, hopefully you'll be able to start Lost soon. I, I mean, I don't see why not. Uh I feel like I've given a, a lot of uh, reasons as to why that's a good idea. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. So thank you to Katie for that email. And now I'm going to move into a DM that we got on Twitter from Angie. Hi, guys. I'm sending this with everything still fresh in my mind. So I kind of like the finale. If it was just a season seven finale instead of one for the whole show, it feels so far away. And I feel like that's a problem with creating a new universe every season. Everything was so disjointed. They try to pull off a lost kind of ending without doing the homework for it. But hey, it's over, and maybe with time and space, I'll be able to appreciate the show again. P.S. As Alexa fan, it was nice to see her again, even though it wasn't really her. Can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this. Love you guys. Uh, I agree with every word of that email. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Thank you, Angie. Okay, we're just zooming right through. This one is from AJ again. Um, and he said, I stand corrected by my last email, which uh, we read out last episode during the finale episode. Um, I'm honestly surprised they were able to wrap everything up. I do feel like it was rushed and the timelines made absolutely no sense, but they did it. And after four long years of wearing clown shoes, hoping to see Lexa again, we kind of got it. Yeah. <laughs> As a hardcore Clexa shipper and anti-Balarker, I just felt so vindicated that Lexa was Clark's true love, who she saw in the end. I also really love that it was Abby that Raven saw, not Finn or anyone else. They both just make so much sense for the two girls. Mm-hmm. I really was not a fan of the weird forced Hope Jordan of it all. Kind of a waste of time and I saw no chemistry, but whatever. I really wanted Hope and Echo to be a thing. That would have made so much more sense considering how much time they spent together. I agree with all these words. <laughs> Despite a very messy season and so much rushing, I feel like it was a nice ending and the last of the gang got to be together in the end. I was really worried Amori wasn't going to transcend with Murphy, but thank God she did and they got their happy ending. Octavia is definitely the MVP in my mind. She tried so hard to live by what her brother believed in the end and she is the reason they won. So much love for her. Anyway, super excited to hear your thoughts on it all. I'm glad I'm a patron so I don't have to wait a week. Maybe meet again, AJ. Wow, being a patron, I bet, is really worth it. <laughs> Thank you, AJ. Um, I, yeah, I everything so far, everyone, I, I agree with a lot of people's points. I, I love that email, because um, I felt the same way about seeing Lexa and Abby again. Um, I would have loved it more if it was actually them, of course, but, like, uh, yeah, I love that email. Good job. 10 out of 10. <laughs> So now we're going to move on to a couple of SoundCloud comments from Elaine Lot, And I really appreciate him because uh, he always comments the things that um, we don't remember, <laughs> which I always appreciate. Uh, very helpful. Yeah, he really gets all the science and I'm like, just try not to, I just try to forget about the science. Um, so he said, Clark's consciousness avoided mind wiping thanks to the city of light neural mesh, not because of the flame. And two minds can share a brain, but it obviously doesn't end well. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for clarifying. All right, now we are doing um, uh, Alice, who is uh, one of our very good friends. She is at Alice underscore V underscore Smith on Twitter. Um, and here is uh, her email. Well, they did it. They really had transcendence be the end game of this show. I can't imagine a more depressing message, especially in the year 2020, that the idea that the only happy ending for humanity is one where our entire species is wiped out from this universe altogether. There are no second chances, no way to do better or be the good guys. No opportunity to do the hard, necessary work of healing from trauma, learning from mistakes, and working for a better world. Instead, after seven seasons of a show about the last of humanity's struggle for survival, it's all undermined by everyone simply transcending. A process so vague and ill-defined that it's indistinguishable from death. 
we're told it's a good thing and that people are happy to do it, but we're given no clue as to what it feels like or what it is experienced afterwards. All we know is that those people, like all of those people, are gone. I can't find any trace of hope in the ending to this story. Any message to take away with me. I can't even feel glad that Clark at least got to live out the rest of her life naturally with her friends because that small scrap of happiness is so vastly overshadowed by the fact that her entire species is now extinct. All those people surviving up on the Ark for generations while the Grounders scratched out a living and built a new civilization on the ground, it was all for nothing. After the small group of survivors with Clark die, the Earth will keep on spinning in the vastness of space, silent and empty, with only a few ruined bunkers to show that we were even ever there. Ultimately, just better off without us, forever. What a bleak, heartbreaking ending to a show that was once about hope, human connection, and the struggle to survive against the odds. The Hundred has left us with this as a final message. That breaking the cycle of violence comes not from hard work, peaceful compromise, and showing compassion to each other, but from hoping that some weird alien magic force will rock up in the 11th hour and deem us worthy to turn us all into glowing blobs so we can cast aside the problems of this life forever without a second thought. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people will be upset that their beloved favorite characters who died along the way never got a chance to transcend, but I'm not. At least Lexa, Jasper, Kane, Abby, Bellamy, and the rest got to live and die as human beings. Messy, flawed, vulnerable, and real. Speaking of messy human beings, I wanted to thank you for your, <laughs> for your hard work on this podcast, which has been an absolute lifesaver through this last season. I was able to keep up with the show without having to force myself to watch it, and your commentary has always been fair, insightful, and great fun to listen to. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you do for seasons one to three of this show, and I'm sure I'm not alone in hoping it's going to be a really cathartic experience for both you guys and us listeners to talk about the show that we all once fell in love with. Maybe meet again, Alice. Oh, that was so lovely. Yeah, thank you, Alice. And honestly, I agree. Yeah. It's it's, it's so disappointing. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's so hard because I, you know, I read everybody else, like, a couple of the other emails that are, like, happy with the ending, and I agree, like, on the surface, it's all very nice. It's just, like, when you really get down to the nitty-gritty of what it means and what, like, mm -hmm. the message really is, it's just, like... It's sad. And, it, and it's so, um, like, different. Like, the differing ideas here are so confusing. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Alice. I'm honestly looking forward to going back to do seasons one to three because, like you said, that's the show we all loved. And yeah, that's, so. a, that's a different show than mm -hmm. whatever we covered this past season, so. And I'm excited to not really talk that much about the seasons after that. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. ready to mostly talk about the episode and the season that we're on, and then maybe talk about if anything was, like, happened to be foreshadowing, you know? And... It should be good. I'm excited. If it was foreshadowing, it was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> That's so uncomfortably true. I also picked out a tweet from our friend Joanna, who is at Very Decima. Um, she didn't, well, she, she ha hashtagged it AF Live tweet. She didn't necessarily want me to read this out, um, but I wanted to point out the fact that uh, Clark also doesn't get to see Maddie again, but Hatch and Nikki don't get to reunite. Yep. And like, in what world would... I just, like, I agree. I didn't even consider Hatch and Nikki. And in my mind, like, all of our friends who don't transcend, like, die and, like, meet up with the actual people that also died. And so, like, I kind of want that for Nikki. I wish Nikki hadn't transcended so that she also... Not that she would be on the beach because that would have been really freaking weird. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, it makes more sense, like, for their storyline that Nikki would have wanted to eventually die and be with Hatch. Yeah. Then we got another email from Rhonda. And she said... I just wanted to write to tell you guys how much I appreciate your podcast and your honesty, as well as say a few comments about the finale. 
Of course, it would be Octavia who would get to world peace, and Raven who would have if she could have. This little twist brought her character arc full circle from innocent little girl to Blood Reina and back to Peacemaker. I loved all the cameos, especially Abby. It did my heart good to see her, though I kind of wish she would have appeared to Clark. It makes sense that she would appear to Raven, though, given their relationship. She was the other daughter Abby never had. I also loved seeing Lexa. I have to admit, I was never a Clexa shipper. While I recognized the love between Clark and Lexa, I had problems with some of the things she made Clark do, specifically when Lexa convinced Clark to leave Ton DC prior to it getting bombed without first saving her people. To me, that was a very un-Clark thing to do, even if it was to save Bellamy. Always save Bellamy. I was thinking this morning that all of season seven was a shit show full of character assassinations and terrible writing, only to give us a happily ever after of the original delinquents, plus a few newcomers. Yes, there were a few people missing on the beach at the end. Bellamy should have been there, Maddie too, perhaps Kane and Abby a few beaches away. After all, Clark should get to live a little without her mom keeping an eye on her if none of them ever get to have kids or become little balls of light when they die. At the same time, there was something fitting about Maddie joining the spirits of Lexa, Abby, and Jake looking out for Clark. But she's not. Yeah, she, yeah I don't know if she is though. I think those two afterlives might be separate. I am most appreciative that he ended the show in a way that I can go back and rewatch without feeling a sense of doom at what I know is the ending. I love that Clark's friends came back so she wouldn't be alone and that Picasso was there. And since Nyla was there, there is hope that Clark won't be alone for the rest of her life. And Gaia, apparently. <laughs> and me. And Princess Mechanic! Yeah. <laughs> uh, the sky somehow seemed bluer, the water clearer, and for the first time since they landed on Earth in season one, they were happy. There was, was not and would never be enemies they had to fear or fight. I have to say, though, my two favorite moments were Clark blowing Cadigan away, even if it meant not being with Maddie. He deserved everything he got, and Clark was the right person to give it to him. The other moment that brought joy to my heart was Indra turning Shade Hedda to little particles of dust. That was such a satisfying scene and another fitting ending for a terrible person. In that moment, she was just like Buffy, blowing away her enemy with a flamethrower. Thanks again for all your hard work and for carrying on with the podcast in such a trying season. I can't wait until January when you start over with season one. Surprise, we're starting season three! Uh, in the meantime, I can now turn my attention to other shows that I am apparently not a proper nerd for watching. Hey, have you seen Lost? <laughs> that was me, I added that one. Um, then we got a small email from Andrew, who, who very uh, succinctly said, Hey, not a fan of the finale. So why would anyone want to transcend with a species that's probably more terrible than humans? We just mm -hmm. kill each other nonstop while they wipe out entire species over and over. Whatever, I enjoy listening to you guys this season. Andrew. <laughs> thanks, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Andrew. I'm inclined to agree. Um, and then lastly, we got another email from Alicia. This season has not been its best, and this finale had its moments. Overall, this series is good. The first five seasons are better than the last two. The last two do have moments. Nitpicks. First, why couldn't Abby appear to Clark? By having Lexa appear, are they saying that Clark loved Lexa more than anyone else, including her own mother? I'm not a Lexa or Clexa fan, so maybe it's just me not understanding this, but I really think Abby should have appeared to Clark, and maybe Finn or Sinclair appeared to Raven. I wish there had been a Kane reference also. Indra. I love Indra. She is one badass woman and loves her daughter so much. So was Gaia in the bunker this whole episode, and then turned into light, and then rejected it, and then came back to Earth? That must have been what I happened, guess, I guess. Yeah. I ha I'm happy Octavia has found love with Levitt, and it was cute he was helping her with her war paint when they were on Bardo, and Octavia saving him from dying on the battlefield. It was sad that Echo got shot, but Hope saved her. Echo Hope endgame. <laughs> Echo! Clark going all Juan Hedda on Bardo, pulling two guns out of the back of her jeans, and just shooting everything up, and finally finishing with shooting Cadigan in the head. Go Clark. It was a cool scene to see Cadigan talking with his daughter, and then blood splatter on her face, Cadigan falling to the ground, revealing Clark. I agree that that was a really mm -hmm. cool, that was a really cool moment. Memory are cute. Murphy having Emory's mind drive in his head and mentioning Josephine, who I miss. She was crazy, but fun. Them having sex in the mind space is on brand for them. Finally, they can't be interrupted. Emory <laughs> yelling for Jackson to wake up Murphy and Murphy trying to calm her down was really cute. They really love each other and have such a strong relationship. I love that they both rejected being light people and went back to Earth to be with Clark. 
The light people are super judgy. You can only be with us if you do this and this and that. And if you've done a lot of this or that, you have to live alone forever. I love that her friends reject becoming light people and went back to Earth, but I'm just sad now that they can never have children. Mm -hmm. Miller and Jackson are adorable boyfriends. I love how Miller said, no, I'm not going to war. I'm staying here with my boyfriend. How can I help? I wish they had more scenes together. I love when Raven came back with the prisoners and Juan crew. Since Raven and Nikki settled their differences, I've liked Nikki better, and the prisoners are always rescuing people, mainly Sky people, from bunkers. It reminded me when Dioza and McCreary opened the bunker in season five. Mm -hmm. I can't wait for you guys to go back into the first three seasons. Who knows? I might go back and rewatch the first three seasons with you guys and send more feedback. I love the podcast, and now I'm a Lost fan. I'm going to go watch an episode of Lost now. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to remind everybody that if you are watching Lost for the first time, please message me. You are not annoying me. I want to hear every thought. That is the number one way, way to mm -hmm. give Robin serotonin. Yeah. Is to message her about Lost yeah. as you watch it for the first time. And then Pe she will go and watch the scenes that you're watching as you message her about it. <laughs> it's true, I will. I've been doing that. Uh, yeah, I currently have three people like watching at the same time who are like messaging me. Um, I've truly never been happier. Um, and some people have said that they're worried about annoying me with all of their messages. I promise you, you are not annoying me. Please send me your messages and your <laughs> thoughts. I would be absolutely thrilled. I also would just, I wanted to touch on in mm -hmm. Alicia's email. Of course. Um, I agree a little bit on the, why couldn't Abby have appeared for Clark thing? Um, I would have really liked it if, Clark had seen, if like Clark had taken the whole test and it hadn't have had to have been Raven, um, which I loved it that it was Raven and I love that Raven saw Abby and I think, think that that makes sense for mm -hmm. her, but I would have liked to have seen Clark see uh, Lexa and Abby and then maybe Bellamy as like each piece of the, um, the three things that the it could be. The three things that it could be. Mm -hmm. um, and then that way you get greatest love, greatest teacher, greatest failure, and then you can like interpret your own version of what Which that means for her are. and mm -hmm. yeah so I would have also have liked to have seen Clark see Abby. Mm -hmm. So that's everything we have on that. Um, we will not be reading out any more emails about the finale on the podcast. So um, if you'd like to send one, uh, expect a written answer back, like an actual email back instead of us reading it out. Um, we will be accepting emails and voicemails about season three when we start covering that though. So yeah, uh, now we are going to be moving on to uh, part two, which is a conversation with um, Selena Wilkin, who has written a bajillion articles for The 100 on Hypable. But before we do that, uh, we want to talk to you guys about Patreon. So um, Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Um, we have we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash theaficionados. Starting at a dollar a month, you get early access to all of our podcasts. And every year we send out a postcard to each of our patrons. Uh, this year, we are also sending out stickers because we reached a milestone on our Patreon. Um, usually we extend that to the end of the year. So if people become a patron after our anniversary, um, we'll still send it to them. Because of the stickers, we will not be uh, extending that this year. So you guys need to become a patron um, by November 16th to receive those. Um, so please do. We also have annual memberships available. So you can do that too. So you can basically pay for a whole year at once instead of having to pay monthly if that's your thing. Um, at $5 or more a month, you also get 10% off at shopulux.com, which is uh, where Brittany and I sell some art. Um, Brittany sells resin art and it's incredible and amazing. And um, I sell fandom embroidery. I think I have nine the hundred designs, maybe 11. I don't remember. <laughs> Several. Several. 
So yeah, definitely check out our Patreon. We would really appreciate it. Um, and Shoppy Locks is a way that you can help us out and also get something really cool out of it. So um, even if you're on our Patreon or if you're not on our Patreon, that's another way that um, you can help us. But if you can't, it's okay. Recommend us to a friend. We're going back. We're starting a on season three and we're going backwards so uh if you have friends who stopped after season three or um who got burned by this show and are looking for a cathartic experience to love the show again um recommend it we would really appreciate it and yeah. uh yeah so on to part two um with selena okay so here we are <laughs> i just popped in here <laughs> <laughs> so here we are with selena um selena uh, who are you <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Who am I now that the show is over? I know. I am. My name is Selena. I am formerly of Hypable.com, where I covered the hundred. <laughs> you know uh, that show. And um, I, I live in Denmark, and I work uh, in in the film industry now, which is amazing. And if the sound in the background, that is because I have a cat, and she is very annoyed at being ignored. I, re- I relate to that as so- as someone who has two cats. Yes. Well, technically they're not mine, but I, I stare at them and pet them. Yes. <laughs> you are theirs. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so I know this is like a gigantic question and <laughs> it's terrible of me to be like, quickly explain <laughs> what your relationship to the show is. But if, if you have a short answer, <laughs> what would it be? That was my answer. <laughs> that noise. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean. Just vague screaming. I mean, wh- where where to begin? It's cut to mm-hmm. three hours later. Um, I yeah. mean, yeah, no, I've I've covered the show since season two. I started covering it. And I I discovered it. I was looking for a different show completely, and and discovered it, and I loved it. Right. And I've been following along for years and years, and through the ups and downs, and until the and I want this, you know, stated as clearly as possible. Until the very last scene, I was ready to make the most of the show even even in the final season which is like Mm -hmm. objectively terrible right (laughs) i was like if they can somehow quote unquote stick the landing then i will like the the bellamy mess aside the clark mess aside whatever i i was listening to you guys um like post finale wrap up and i think robin you said like the the this the solution of giving humanity more time like that would have been fine Mm -hmm. like if that's what that would have been great that had been the ending if any like everything else stayed the same They'd been like, you know what? Humanity isn't ready. We need more time. I would have been like, mm-hmm. that did not happen. I know. I <laughs> I thought that that's what it was going to be for a second. And I, I was like, okay. I'm so confused. Surprisingly okay with this. Of, and then they were like, let's go too far. Right. Like yeah. of all the problems with this finale, it was completely just changed tracks in the middle of the episode. Like this was the mm-hmm. end game. And suddenly, oh, transcendence group. Like, uh, so now my relationship <laughs> with the show is... I am Groot. Is is that I I don't know. I'm I'm so happy that I had this experience and I'm so glad that it's over. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Like yeah, this this last season was a lot of what it was in which, you know, we would watch the episode on Wednesday and then Thursday was just like a slog of a yeah, day recording. Yeah. Having to do all our notes and then record and like editing isn't too bad. I don't mind editing, but like having to do the notes and record like all on Thursday yeah. was like such a such a drag of a and- day every single time. Which is so sad because we just it just used to be so exciting yeah, to I, talk about. I was gonna say the same. Like that's the thing is that I don't think any of us here wanted to be so critical. Like that's the thing. It's not yeah, why we yeah. did this. It's not why we stuck it out. We were not like there's a lot of ways to watch the show and none of them are like more 
legitimate than others. But I think we were like, well, mm-hmm. okay, well, we don't like this aspect, but these aspects are still great. Like Sam, your favorite characters were killed off last season. You still kept watching because there was still stuff to enjoy. Like it's 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 not like there was so much for the show that that we were so ready, I think, to give it its like the most benefit of the doubt possible. So to mm-hmm. come in with that attitude and still have to just do these brutal takedowns of each episode because mm-hmm. it just kept getting worse. Like this was not fun. This was not a fun experience. It was like episode after episode, just even from like way back uh, when I first started covering my first episode that I started like officially reviewing for was the episode where Lexa dies. Yeah. And it's just like, even like episode after episode, it's like, there are so many things that I love. And then there are also so many things that are bad. Yeah. And it just kept the the, the scale of balance yeah. of those mm-hmm. two things just got more and more uneven the further we got into like the final season and it's just like okay you've taken everything that i love now yeah <laughs> i'll go yeah yeah literally until like there was nothing that you could i i don't think there was anything by the end that i was left able to enjoy nothing no character yeah. arcs. like even not even a mori like as much as i loved her it just it made no sense so i was like mm-hmm. but exactly but why <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and so speaking of Sam's char- favorite characters dying, yes. who are some of your favorite characters? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's it's tough because I think like I I have always been very adaptable for the show. Like my mm-hmm. my sort of overall favorite was always Clark, almost always Clark. Um and um and then I've had other ones come and go and I think this final season like I really enjoyed Indra and Amori. Like mm-hmm. their the, how much screen time they got. I think the 100 sort of was kind of for better and worse really started writing for its actors in recent seasons yeah i think actually Mm -hmm. that's like a lot of the problems with the story stems from the fact that they cared more about giving the actors they liked more cool stuff to do than staying true Mm -hmm. to sort of the established characters and uh, etc but so that worked in my favor because i really really liked imori and indra and i thought they especially imori had a, a fantastic arc in this final season um and and that kind of sort of it's tough because we're talking about like secondary ish tertiary characters at this point like like clark and Mm -hmm. and obviously bellamy and even raven murphy i think they kind of just transformed him into like washed out version of of what was once so great about murphy and and i think I totally agree. It's it's tough to sort of I I almost like I I've been so wary of of offering too much praise to to the side characters because I don't think it's it's good enough. Like I don't think yeah I don't mm-hmm. want to come out at the end of a seven season journey and say well I really love these two guest stars you know right yeah but I did really I did really love them I did really enjoy their arcs so it's so strange like ha- hearing you say that because it's like you're right and yet. We love Suchin so much that mm-hmm. we're going to name a character after him, mm-hmm. and yet Jackson still has so little to do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's true. That's a good point. I also like what you said about um, just being wary of offering too much praise for the arcs that these characters got in the final season. Uh, I agree with that a lot, because while I also really loved Indra and Amori's storylines this season, it felt like it was like too little too late. For sure. Because... In, like this is the kind of storyline that they should have been giving Indra and Amori for seasons mm-hmm. and instead of just like using them as like plot devices that show up every now and then mm-hmm. to move the rest of the story forward um and like as much as I enjoyed it I just wish it had been consistent for sure yeah and a, a part of the plan even like if there had yeah. been a plan yeah 
So I've got a couple of, uh, of points that I pulled out of your article and people who are listening, make sure you go and check out the article. It's it very long, phenomenal. but it's worth it. <laughs> it was, I'm sorry, can I just say like, that was a, my, I was so glad that I wrote that article. It's like a 10,000 words long. It's ridiculous. But I was like, okay, I can go out like screaming and stamping my feet and refusing to do this review, or I can actually like say something. And I'm, I just, mm-hmm, that yeah. was a nice way to end it. So I was, I just wanted to say that. Yeah. I think you did a, you did a fantastic job and it, I, I know how, um, cathartic it is to to go through mm-hmm. getting all those feelings out like yeah. that yeah so like when I was reading it I was like "Ooh, Selena has a lot of the same thoughts as us but there were a few things that you brought up that I wanted to like put more thought into so the first like couple of notes that I have are about Clark and Maddie so mm-hmm. one of the points you brought up why would Maddie give up immortality for someone who was about to shoot her so it makes sense that she would go and just do transcendence instead Clark spent the last three episodes saying she would be nothing without Maddie. And then when we find out that Maddie isn't here, Clark seems fine with it. And then why would Clark believe that Maddie was safe inside Transcendence when she was so (laughs) distrustful of Transcendence? Why? (laughs) Yeah, it's just like... It's so back and forth with this. Like it, it just doesn't make sense. But I think all of these questions can be answered because they didn't care to explain it. Because mm-hmm. there was, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the finale, like whatever they thought they were saying with it, like it, it came at the expense of everything, like every logic that you put into a story, every arc, every every every, every thought that you would expect your audience to put into it and, and, and sort of trying to think, well, what questions are the audience going to be left with? Let's make sure we answer them so that they don't say, well, that sucked. And clearly they didn't say mm-hmm. care about us saying that because they didn't answer any of that. Because I think that's the thing about Transcendence the whole season. It didn't make any sense. We were given no reason exactly. to believe it was true. We had given no reason to believe the characters would believe it was true. We we don't we still don't know what it was. We don't know it was good. We don't know like like that's calling it a Rorschach test on paper, but then giving it some kind of value on screen that we don't know how to interpret. It just it doesn't it just doesn't work. Like I think that's the, sh- the short way of answering those questions. Like it's there's no answer. I yeah I completely agree. I think. Me and a lot of other people, um, just as far as I could tell, were constantly asking the question of why is this better than the City of Light? Mm -hmm. And I think you said that in your article as well. It's like, it's, we have no reason to think it is, except they say it is, except they tell us that it's a Rorschach text, except, except, you know, sorry. (laughs) But then, but then every other character that we love other than Maddie decides to... Mm-hmm. come to skip out of to it. skip mm-hmm. out of it so what's what what is good about it another note that i have in here about that is that you mentioned in your article they feel no pain but do they feel anything else mm-hmm. are we just stuck in a meaningless existence with nothing there right. like why why are we doing this we don't get to go into transcendence so i have no reason to believe that it's good even especially when all of the characters that we love choose not to do it exactly it's tough to to think about it even even in, in, in like trying to take it at all seriously because it doesn't track with what we see on screen. Like I, and I was thinking, because I spent some time in my article trying to break down the idea that this is some form of evolution, um, mm-hmm. like that it is actually some vague random internet blog dudes have actually taken this seriously and I, I can't imagine he got it anywhere else so <laughs> so like that's that I, I, it is some idea that we will merge and become a higher consciousness and we will forget like there will be no more war because we'll just be one like that's the end game for for the universe is that we all merge and become one 
obviously in the hundred, like a, a big fundamental problem is that it's not all it's like 300 people like that's a, you guys mm-hmm. talked about this news exactly. your amazing like cathartic finale wrap up <laughs> as well that so much would have been fixed if they just also brought the dead people back like it's one of the ways they could yeah. have made this better as well exactly but so it's so weird to to think about it as a well this is the next evolutionary step for humanity whoever survives in the future will get to to become one and represent humanity in this uh, universal uh, conscious when first of all those people most of them are are terrible people criminals and rapists yeah. and murderers and all that cannibals and <laughs> cannibals and second of all like <laughs> we're we don't they didn't bother to take themselves seriously enough or take their their audience seriously enough to actually stop and consider okay well what would that evolution look like they mm-hmm. just skipped doing all of that work and that's mm-hmm. it, it makes it really difficult to talk about or even like even criticize honestly because i don't know we don't know what we're criticizing exactly yeah and it's just so vague mm-hmm. and the fact that we ended up here with with transcendence being the end game and becoming glowing balls of light um, as, sure. <laughs> as like the ultimate thing when I think we've both said um, the show has been more science than than fiction right that was the rule the it was it was one of the many rules that that they've spoken about in interviews like so nothing's ever gonna happen that can't be explained by science ish yeah. exactly <laughs> right and then and then we get here. And so you've thrown out that rule, mm-hmm. uh, but you're sticking to the rule where the dead people can't come back. <laughs> For no reason. And it's just a slap in the face to say, yeah. no, they can't transcend, <laughs> but we are, everyone else is transcending. And that just means you turn into a, a glowing tree. Right. Okay, listen, <laughs> like the glowing ball of light, fine. If we have to transcend, let's become glowing balls of light. I don't care. Mm. It's the tree thing <laughs> that like bothers me the most. What? Oh my God. Like, if they want me to take this seriously, and like, if you're trying to get me to cry at the end of this finale, which like, I'm a tree. To, to be honest, you're to try and get your audience to cry at the end of this. I would have loved to have cried. Um, then why why do we turn into Groots? Maybe they thought that people would cry. Maybe they yeah. they thought people would cry because when the the first Groot died, it was very sad in that movie, and they were like, "We'll just do that, <laughs> yeah. and people will cry." Remind them of Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy, a completely different story than ours. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I think like I th- I think that there's so many ways. Like it's so difficult to talk about the season because it's it's re- when you talk about a television show people who say they didn't put any effort into it obviously they did you know like right. it's so weird to have a seat where it seems like they just didn't care because we they had to care like somewhere some someone had to care about the story but the, mm-hmm. when you sort of say well i i can't i can't imagine that it was otherwise maybe i'm wrong but i feel like when you have so many people working on a thing someone has to be like this has to somehow make sense but i just think it it just it's so it's so weird to try to make sense of this finale and been like well if they had wanted to tell a story like if they had come back between season six and seven and been like you know what transcendence is a really interesting concept it's really cool i want to explore it i think it's a good ending then explore it in the season tell us about it did explore it think what would you imagine transcendence to be this is evolution this is a cool idea we can like we can think it's cool or not we can think it's weird or not we can we can take issue with it or not if it's your idea then present it to us Give us something exactly. to think about. Instead, 
we just had like echo and hope running around on a planet and like sanctum idiots running around on their planet and Clark and Bellamy and all that mess and no time was given to actually explore what may or may not be an interesting concept because they just left it mm -hmm. for the end and they had the only thing we know about it came from Bill Cadigan who was a bad guy like it's it's so bizarre to me I I don't know what happened like exactly like looking at it you're like how did everyone who was a part of this team just green light what we got did they not like that's and the thing surely like the show's gonna live on netflix it can't just be to spite the people on twitter surely like they have right. I, it's i just i do not there's a missing piece here that is just giving me a headache it's so, it's so hard <laughs> for me to believe that they looked at their show as a whole and went how do we want this to end end and they were like how about glowing groots like i just that that doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> No, and without without exploring it, like that's the thing they they spent a whole season on the city of light. That would have been like that would have been a really sucky way to end the show, but it would have been super provocative because we knew what it yeah. was. We'd seen it. We'd been like, okay, well that's Allie's idea of a happy ending. Oh my god, it actually happened. <gasps> like you know, like the, the even if it had been like a bad ending, it still could have been interesting. You know, like exactly like we got to see what it was. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is just, this is a nothing ending. We got, yeah, we got to go inside the City of Light several times. Mm -hmm. So as far as like Transcendence is concerned, I know we also probably want to talk about the character side of it, but just in terms of the premise mm -hmm. of, of Transcendence, it's it's just nothing because we don't, we mm -hmm. can't, it's it's not good. It's not bad. It's not interesting. It's not um, infuriating. It's not disappointing. It's, it's well, it is disappointing because it, it doesn't have any value to us. And I think mm -hmm. that's what frustrates me the most. I think that, a lot of what's frustrating about this season in particular, and for me, uh, the back half of season six, was that the just a better version of it is so achievable in my head. So exactly. Yeah. Because it's like just <laughs> out of reach. Yeah. And like there are like several little tiny little decisions that you could have made along the way that would have just made so much a difference that like it would have turned the whole thing around. And then but they went for like what feels like a cop out mm -hmm. yeah like a last minute patch and it's so it's so strange go on yeah mm -hmm. when you when you mentioned hope like hope <laughs> is like one of my new favorite characters She's i thought great. she was awesome this season <laughs> i thought she was great but like in the whole like overarching arc of things who's hope <laughs> she means nothing yeah like, she's just cool. Yeah, because, like, even Dioza just came <laughs> in in season five. Yeah. I don't... So, uh, let me go back. I'll go back into some of my notes here okay. that I wrote. Um, next is for Imori and Murphy. So, right. you mentioned, like, Imori just wants to be together, so isn't Transcendence their best option? Right. And won't Murphy eventually regret letting Immortality go? Right. Because that was his whole goal in season six. Exactly. Was getting Immortality, and they got it, and then he just gives it up, even though they put in all of that effort? Yeah. For 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 nothing for a limited life with all the same people plus Clark. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. Clark has done nothing to earn Murphy's at this point. Like I was always like mm -hmm. I love I loved Clark, but this season she has been she was so awful. Like it, it it and and then to give up the thing he had been aiming for life for Imori. He was he was willing to die to give Imori a little bit more time and to be with her for a little longer. There's no you can't you you just you you just as a storyteller cannot jump from that to them choosing a mortal finite existence over the exactly. thing that he achieved, the thing that he wanted. And then you could say, well, with a little bit more work, okay, well, mm -hmm. it's, it's a huge thing for Murphy to give up the thing he wants. Like this 
ultimately selfish thing for what we have to assume is a selfless reason but you can't you can't tell the audience to make that work you have to, you have to do it yourself you have to build up some reason that he would feel that he had he owed it to Clark or to Amori or to himself or mm-hmm. whatever like like that, that, that it's just that it's too much i think to ask your audience to take that leap for you i think that they just didn't convince us of anything that they told us in the end. Mm. I don't think they convinced themselves. That's the thing. Like yeah. I don't I don't think they believe this. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of something that I said in the um finale podcast is just that like they spent all season trying to get Murphy to become like this magical selfless person and at the end of the finale he doesn't even sacrifice himself for a bunch of people he sacrifices himself for Imori that was a really good point yeah for Imori which is what he was good which which is what he would have done anyway yeah yeah so like I don't really get that but this actually goes really well into like my next thing Mm -hmm. which um we talked about like who followed who into this I was like (laughs) I thought so much about this (laughs) yeah like you had like a whole paragraph about like who was gonna follow who and who was gonna follow who and I was like you're right because like I was wondering like did they they talk about it before they decided or like do they just see who went down and then they follow each person because it makes sense for me then for like you said raven follows clark and mm-hmm. follows raven mm-hmm. murphy follows mm-hmm. amori like maybe yeah. murphy doesn't even get a choice because right. either it's transcend or follow amori and he's gonna follow amori which like fine but we didn't talk about that at all he's gonna follow yeah and if they had shown us that that would have been great mm-hmm. i would have loved to see that and then we would have seen a little bit of transcendence mm-hmm. as well, which is what we wanted to do. Could you imagine? They're just then, like, oh my God, maybe it's good that we didn't. It would just be like one yeah. big bright light and their heads would like pop up in the sky. <laughs> and then, like it would have been... Im- <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's or like they're like, all like little balls of light and the balls, balls of light. Yeah, they're like pulsing. And then they're air buddies. It would all be like that baby in the sky in the Teletubbies. And then it would be like Raven yeah. first. And she would have been like, guys... Imori? Anyone? And then like Imori's head would pop up next to her and she would be like, yeah, what's up, Raven? Oh my God. I would be- <laughs> You're right. You're right. But I was like, I wonder if they were told the rules before they came down or if Clark is the only one who knows. Like I was wondering if, uh, like, is Imori going to try and get answer. pregnant and just find that she can't? Because Imori seems oh like the God. kind of person who would want to keep it going. But then last night mm-hmm. I was bringing that up to Sam and she mentioned that like God Lexa says like, um, these are the rules and, but they don't seem to care. So mm-hmm. that implies that they do know what the rules are mm, that they know yeah 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 but yeah like like you said in the thing it's hard to believe that these people would choose to stay with clark yeah, it, if it's about clark why would they like why we especially some of them right but but they just haven't done again they just haven't done the work and i think at the end of the day like it's almost i almost get mad like at, at us trying to take it seriously because i really do yeah. not think any thought was put into this like from a character perspective Yeah, one of my favorite points that you made was that, like, Clark's whole storyline, like, throughout the whole thing, has been rooted in isolation. Mm -hmm. And if all of this had just been Bellamy, it makes sense that every single one of these characters would have followed Bellamy because Bellamy's storylines were about community. Exactly. Yeah. I I really, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, like, what is the way... Because again, it's so hard for me to imagine that no thought went into this. So I was like, you know, like Mm -hmm. you guys are doing like reverse engineer. Like how could this possibly have made sense once upon a time? And it would have been like, that's the only explanation is that Clark was alone 
she saw Bellamy there, he came back for her because of course he did. You know, like that's the yes. that's the mm-hmm. way their story had to end based on seasons one to six. Then she sees mm-hmm. behind him, oh my God, it's Raven. Oh my God, it's Murphy. Oh my God, it's Nyla. I, there's no explanation for her, but anyway. <laughs> oh my God, it's yeah. all the characters whose actors we like. And it's like, and but that would have been, no shade, by the way, no shade. To, it's just that it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Um, but like, <laughs> yeah, for Nyla to be, I'm totally with you there. And, 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 and Indra, like whatever. And, and it, the whole thing, Gaia leaving Maddie, like that's a whole other point, but like, but, but then you could say, okay, mm-hmm. well that's great. And it's also great for Clark who, who had isolated herself so much like this Maddie, I, I still, I don't know what the writers thought about Clark and Maddie, because I think like the fandom is pretty much like unanimously agreed upon that it's, it, it was a terrible a terrible relationship where Clark just kind of like mm-hmm. iconographied or whatever the word is, Maddie, like to represent some things that had nothing mm-hmm. to do with Maddie herself. But it, it seemed maybe that the mm-hmm. writers thought it was a, I, I don't even know where to begin with that, but, but, but then you could say, okay, well, that's a, a great ending that, that she's, she knows Maddie's safe. She's left her somewhere where she believes she's safe. Now she gets to live her life with like Bellamy is the missing link if he had been there again it was a weird way to end the show but if he had been there it would have been like so much better because they had they they've put no work into like like even the the work they did with Octavia and Raven this season I think was mm-hmm. was so weak mm-hmm. to into Clark sort of take taking out Bellamy as, as the missing link and then just pretending and expecting the audience to also pretend like it wouldn't make a difference because Clark's bond with Bellamy's friends was strong enough without Bellamy and nobody even brings him up <laughs> yeah but that's and that's the thing no one even says I wish Bellamy were here and that yeah and, that, yeah, and that's and that's you know a whole other thing is that it, it just it's it, it's just doing your story such a disservice to act like people are interchangeable and whether that's sidelining the main characters to prop up your your guest stars or it's it's whatever happened behind the scenes causing them to to sort of rip Bellamy out of the story and then pretending like the story wouldn't bleed for it you know like it's just it's mm-hmm. it's the it's so it's so I'm and and this is like the thing it comes down to and for you guys I'm sure as well is we have loved this story so much and we have mm-hmm. followed it for so long we've read so much into it I think we like the fans have breathed so much life into the story even like the writers have the actors have everyone involved with the show has so have the fans and so much personality into these characters so much depth into the story and just to be left here just just sort of realizing that they didn't care enough or they didn't trust it enough or they didn't respect their own story enough to think Mm -hmm. that it that it mattered what happened at the end like I just it's it's such a weird feeling isn't it yeah, I having again the having Bellamy there is something that could have been so easily fixed by yeah. having the dead be able to transcend, and it's just like yeah, or just saying he didn't die, like he could have le- been left mm-hmm. on that right. floor b- bleeding out. We didn't see his eyes closed. We didn't even really see his eyes closed in the shot. Like they could have changed mm-hmm. nothing and and had him been there without even the dead thing. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no, I was just saying like you, you could have had him if you still wanted to have that shock value moment of Clark shooting him, you could have had him die, but then the dead do transcend and Bellamy was right all along. And, mm-hmm. and then, then everyone who Clark loved gets to come back and yeah. you get to see. And cause he Lexa again, Monty and Har- Yeah. Kate and Abby, you get to see Monty and Harper and Jasper and Lex and real Lexa. Yeah. yeah. And the whole, like, like may- a- 
Go on. <laughs> I got excited. Oh, I was just I was just going to say that's like literally the perfect segue into my next thing. But mm-hmm. if you have more more uh, to add, you I was just going to cheerlead that. Like it's just that would have been the ending. Like like in, if exactly mm-hmm. yeah the, the letting the dead transcend. Like we all I think agree that that would have been it would have been super cheesy. It would have been way too much, but it would have made made people happy. Like literally everyone would have been happy, and it just would have been the perfect like way to to use transcendence to give us something good that i yeah. exactly yeah and and also another thing is that like this is supposed to be the series finale and so i'm supposed to be like willing to like let these characters go now at this point and be like <laughs> okay well whatever happens next i'm sure it's great and you know it's over and it's good In, but i'm still yeah. left here being like well there's got to be more adventures now <laughs> like you know there's we're, we're all stuck on earth like there's no way murphy doesn't annoy somebody so much that he has to like do the exact same thing he did on the ark and like go and ice himself or whatever like somebody has to have problems there's got to continue to be more things but you, you know, know? What? So it doesn't even feel like a like a resolution in which I'm like good to be like okay the story's over mm-hmm. they already had Alicia and Paige there <laughs> I know. and it would have been so easy to just like have them back as the characters that they were and then they just didn't. it would have yeah. been so like that's a whole and I, I do want to get into because that's a whole other thing like it's so it's like spitting in everyone's face this finale Mm-hmm. And they could have just, and, and that's the thing is that I also wonder how short-sighted you have to be, like, if they want this prequel picked up, and I'm not saying, like, oh, the fans are mad, or that's not what I'm saying, but I'm just saying they want to continue the story, branch it out with a prequel. Like, if you wanted to be strategic about this finale, like, clearly now it's been, like, a few weeks since it aired, and people are already, like, except for the whole, like, Bellamy Clark romantic thing that reinvigorated everyone and, like, gave people some, mm-hmm. which was nice, by the way, because I think it's nice for people to hear that they weren't crazy. But, yeah. mm-hmm. but like, it's it's the Game of Thrones thing. is that People are already kind of trying to forget about it because it was so weird and, and embarrassing for them, frankly, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and for us, in a way. And but but I But I just think, thinking a little bit strategically like being a little bit smart thinking all right well it ends with transcendence all the dead people come back we leave the bellark klexa thing open for interpretation we mm-hmm. are made to believe even just with Paige, like if she, if abby came back people could infer oh my god kane is also back like who else is mm-hmm. that jasper is back everyone is back we would have there would have been so much excitement and and that's funny because i know you just said robin you wanted to let the story go and and that mm-hmm. would have also been nice but in in a, a, a perfect world if they wanted this the hundred brand to endure they would have found a way mm-hmm. to keep people interested and what better way than to bring everyone back and end the show and been like all right so where do they go from here? Fan fiction. Exactly. Yeah. People would have watched the prequel to find like clues to maybe learn mm-hmm. more about Transcendence, or learn more about what's possible. Um, they could have released little graphic novels, you know, they could have done interviews mm-hmm, where they sure. were like, oh, here's the prequel, by the way, you know, what's happening on Earth? Wink, wink. You know, like there, there was it, there was a way to even just like, and, and, and bringing back Bellamy and Lexa even just like, mm-hmm. if they had done that, I think they just could have made their own legacy so much better. And I just, I, I am just completely unable to understand why they didn't do it. Like you guys said, with just having having everybody back and like leaving everyone to, to like come back and giving the audience that opportunity to write the rest of them, their story in their heads mm-hmm. with all the characters that we love still breathing. Yeah. Is just 
so much better <laughs> yeah. and like what I would have like wanted at any given point for when the show would end because my favorite um I do read fan fiction um <laughs> and my favorite in canon versions of fan fiction to read are the ones where everyone is at peace like mm-hmm. during the gap between season two and three mm, and like expanding yeah. the world there or like if if season five had ended just a little bit differently and they all come back and build a society in Eden and like that's the interesting part Mm -hmm. and it's so disappointing to know that to Jason that was the boring part exactly that's (laughs) another one of the notes that I have about so that Selena wrote in her article is that for some reason peace is boring and we always skip through it even though that's the part that I'm the most interested in and I'd like Mm -hmm. to go back to and that's and that's and I was that that point I was making there was that it's this ending is it's it's so weird to imagine that the way they see humanity ending is to eradicate the the the, the concept of of other you know like basically mm-hmm. over the course of the season somehow they convince themselves that the problem humanity in the hundred or, or outside of the hundred faces is that as long as there's an us and a, and a them there will always be war so their mm-hmm. way to peace is to eradicate not war but other the them and and I think that is so like we should have in retrospect we should have seen that coming because he's always it's always been pieces boring pieces boring the show I think took and I was like quite sort of hmm that when I thought of this because I was like oh maybe it is true <laughs> um, this wild like tangent that I just went on um, that <laughs> that I think there was like a real seminal shift in the show when they killed Lexa when the show mm-hmm. stopped being about how does a fractured humanity get to peace and it became about what sources of conflict can make a fractured humanity fight because that's more interesting so it's like it's mm-hmm. like how does war i think i said like how does war happen that's the question they kept asking okay so we put our characters in this situation it looks peaceful how do we get them to war now like that's the they kept asking no matter what we can we come to a new planet clearly there has to be an enemy because otherwise, how will we get the war? Like that's in, instead of. Well, they mm-hmm. even named the finale the last war. <laughs> yeah. Instead of being like, I'm like I don't care about the last war. Exactly. Like, there are like six other titles you could have gone with. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. But but it's just it it just I think there was a point in the hundred where they were asking, you know, what under, under what conditions can we make peace? You know. Yeah. And and I think that was and much it, more interesting. Yeah, even this season, like, one of the things that, like, the time jumps are when all the peace is happening. So, like, mm-hmm. the Camp Jaha Arcadia time jump, mm-hmm. and then we've obviously got the, like, six-year time jump, which, like, was fine because really interesting things happened within that time. But then <laughs> they go, hey, this season we're going to have ten years here and five years yeah. here and three months here and everything, <laughs> and we're just skipping over important things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it through in one season – Octavia goes through 10 years and we see hardly any of it. And these people go through five years and then there's three months. And I'm like, why are we doing so many time jumps? Yeah. Time jumps in the middle of seasons. Well, it's, it, they didn't use it as a, like, as a way to explore these characters. They used it as a shortcut to explain them caring about each other instead Mm -hmm. of just like actually showing us why they care about each other. Yeah. Echo, Hope, and Gabriel could have just gone through something big, you know, like, defeating a troll in the girl's bathroom. <laughs> um, but instead they were just like, how about we just skip? There are some things you can't go through. <laughs> exactly. Or we can just skip five years and just say that that's why they care about each other. Or we could go through something big. Yes, we can We can do the work. Exactly. And mm-hmm. then that would make you, you know, it's lazy. You're right. 
it's like yeah. all kinds of trying to avoid doing any actual like character work or story work and just jumping from mm -hmm. the next conflict like to the next and and i think that's yeah exactly well, and i think they absolutely that's a good reason and i also legitimately think they did the time jump because they wanted to give them haircuts yeah yeah <laughs> like i really think that was the reason and we never like who did the haircuts we, we do not know who who has who has this talent <laughs> who's to say it does not matter but one of the things that you mentioned earlier sam that uh that i also had had down was that cadigan is a piece of crap and he has been a piece of crap for thousands of years and is definitely just like terrible this season um and he ends up being right <laughs> And, and then, and then, so does Bellamy. Bellamy dies for a belief that he ends up being right for. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's so many things on top of that. Is that like not only does, is Bellamy right, but then the thing that he died for already happens, mm -hmm. and like, ugh, it's just it's so messy. And like, Cadigan right. is right. Yeah, but without any critical, mm -hmm. he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be wrong. It without any, that's the thing is that there is there again like with so much of this, there are ways to make that interesting. How interesting mm -hmm. when you talk about it without you know actually watching it? How interesting that the villain ends up being right. Like mm -hmm. the way to peace, it was actually the quote unquote bad guy who had it all along. If you if you had imagined that in coming in season two you know if that had been Dan dante wallace or if that had been ali right you know or some someone who we, like like that at that point in the show with that care to the story that that they had at the time i could have imagined that that could have been really interesting the problem is just throwing it at us without any critical sort of care mm -hmm. well like even bringing becca through as well is that like we had becca in season three like a little bit mm -hmm. um but she was like the antithesis to ali obviously mm -hmm. um and ali so therefore was the villain and was terrible and ali was wrong you know it's more important to <laughs> be a person and uh, that's another thing i have written down is that the message used to be that it's better to live and love and die as fully human yeah. than become part of the city of light mm -hmm. so then we bring through becca into season seven and she is the she's against cadigan yeah and so we're like okay well if becca is the good guy because becca also like started the grounders and everything we love a lot of the grounders so becca is the good guy becca's always the good guy because even though she's made terrible decisions just like clark mm -hmm. she is always fighting for the right side and so she's against cadigan and then it turns out that cadigan is the one who's who's right like becca goes through and decides not to take the test because she doesn't feel worthy or whatever or she doesn't you know think that humanity is ready or anything if becca had just taken that test more people would have survived to be honest because yeah yeah i was thinking the same thing like oh my god like if becca would... had just gotten it then like all the people on sanctum and all the people on like allegis and stuff they and all would have the art exactly they all would have transcended yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> i also since we brought up becca can i just talk about how mm. infuriating it is that they brought her back and then had her well, like we knew she was gonna get killed by cadigan anyway but three days <laughs> yeah. three days since she got down yeah and they they built up becca mm -hmm. all the whole show like since season three that she like started grounder culture and she was the one who, like who the first she was commander. the first commander and everything and then it turns out that she just passed it on to callie and she was only alive for three days since she went down from polis or polaris because like <laughs> That was like the biggest thing in season three was mm -hmm. that Becca came down from Polaris, and I can't. I just have such and a like hard she time was believing the original commander and the flame. And she like invents Nightblood. She does this and that and that, and then she escapes from getting killed down on the Ark because they like killed the thirteenth station, and mm -hmm. so she finally comes down and everything. And it turns out that she only survives for three days. I, mean, I what? Yeah, I mean, it is just like the rest of this story to have 
like one of the most brilliant female characters just get immediately killed. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's a good as point. As soon as she comes back. But yeah. I, I have one last thing here is just that after this, what happens in canon, like in your mind, Selena, what do you think happens after this? Once they're all on the beach, like what, what's happening now? Well, it's a tough question to answer because I really just think it's, Oh, probably can't say that word in your show. Um, I really, I really, I don't, I don't, I don't, I reject the sentence. But okay, so since you asked very nicely, um, I think I find it hard to understand why this alien species has such unlimited powers over humanity. Mm -hmm. And I also find it really hard to imagine because we don't know what transcendence is. It's obviously really hard to imagine what's going on in there. But I think we we had enough hints within this episode that the aliens there was a there was a thing when when Clark and uh, Robo Alexa were like having their their first conversation and Clark was kind of mm-hmm. throwing all the accusations back in her face. She was like, well, yeah, I've done genocide. You've done genocide. What's ma- what makes us so different? And the alien just kind mm-hmm. of brushed her off. And it really seems to me like whatever the humans inside Transcendence may uh, get out of not experiencing any pain, they are clearly like those little ants on the back of a rhino or whatever. Like they are the inferior being that has been swallowed mm-hmm. up by the big like I think I talked about those spiders inside the Nakara monster like they are <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. they might benefit from living inside which like what is that sure they might have fun we literally spent an afternoon at Nakara <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know um but but you know like it's it might be fun to be like a, a carcass spider or whatever but you're still sort of a, a life force that is inside a bigger life force so what I'm trying to say is I think that at some point, these sentient humans inside of of Transcendence are going to realize that they are being used by a power that is not altogether benevolent and a charge of Maddie and her new like mini Jasper and mini Monty and um, that like (laughs) horrifically underutilized Elena Huffman finally gets her chance mm-hmm. to shine in my head quote unquote shine haha <laughs> and they do some kind of like reverse engineering like i imagine that it's this massive force that's like half transparent half light but also half solid so you can like maneuver like ha, pull a lever and 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 like maneuver this <laughs> thing like through the universe but it like encapsulates everything it's really cool in my head because i give them so much credit <laughs> uh so so like so there there'll be some kind of like revolution there and i also think that on earth these like the humans that survive there will have some kind of children of men experience when there will be a baby born or they'll find a baby or maddie will be like oh one of the like people who transcended was pregnant when they transcended so i'm just gonna whoop her back to earth quietly mm-hmm. without the entity finding out about it and so humanity because i cannot imagine a future in which humanity just becomes a ends. like yeah ends or becomes swallowed up by some being like i have i have no reason to believe mm-hmm. that this is a good thing or a, a, a um, divine thing or, or anything like that so i am crafting scenarios in which the human race is you know as scrappy and unkillable and 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 endure you know endures the way that I always thought that Clark did like that stubbornness that Mm -hmm. I always associated with her is kind of that's what I'm inferring onto the ending 
that humanity, you know, life finds a way, if you will. Yeah. Um, and that that this transcendence thing, it's it might look nice and shiny on the outside, but at some point they have to either just get bored or realize that there's something here that they can actually use to their advantage in, in some way that, mm-hmm. that they aren't currently. And if that means war, exactly. that's the thing. If that if, if humanity, if, if life, if free choice, if if free will and like that's kind of the conversation that Gabriel and, and Cadigan had that I thought was it was such a shame that that didn't end up meaning anything. If if human hu- humanity comes with pain and comes with loss and comes with conflict, but it, that's the way to be human, then then we would rather have all of that because we also mm-hmm. get the good parts that I think sort of a a dulled, um, controlled, um, neutered experience that humanity ends up with in the finale i think is is the is is a loss so i like to imagine mm-hmm. a way that they end up winning back their their humanity as it were yeah i love that i really liked the point that you made about um i just like i didn't even consider that like this moment like when everyone else chose to not transcend that that was like i for some reason was like that's the moment it's either you do or you don't at this time and i didn't even consider that like maybe people can choose to not transcend later Mm -hmm. i imagine that yeah or else they're prisoners and if they are prisoners then that's a bad thing I feel like the Allegis people like got there and they were like, again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. And then I like, you know, I said this in my review as well, but I really like, because I do think, I think a, a good ending to a, a, a TV show is one that lets, like either you give the audience what they want or you give them the tools to imagine that they can eventually get what they want. Mm-hmm. And I think, a way, like, not to sidetrack too much, but if you guys have watched Merlin, the TV show, the British uh, BBC show, that had the most horrific, hor- heartbreaking ending. It was a great ending, but it was devastating. But they left it, and I don't want to spoil anything, but they had this, this final coda that left so many doors open that the rest of the episode had just shut. And it was so, mm-hmm. and also you think about something like 12 Monkeys, which somehow gave us all the endings that, that we could have imagined and made them all work. Like there, there are ways to, to break your heart and to, to make the ending like sad or bittersweet, but still respect your audience enough. So, so I think I like, I like to think of ways that you can sort of outsmart the plot by saying, well, you know, um, if, for example, if Amori could transcend through a mind drive, What's to say? Like, who who actually decides that it has to be a mind drive in a living body? Like, that that's no right, rule. Exactly. No one said that in the show or in, in interviews, as far as I know. So, like, Kane and Abby's mind drives, they were out there somewhere. Lex's mind drive, mm-hmm. the flame, they, they literally destroyed it, like, three days ago. But some part of it was uploaded to the computer. Maybe she transcended through the computer. Again, with Bellamy, like, he, we saw him lying, bleeding out on the floor. We didn't see his body. Clark did not even go back to Sanctum to bury his body. <laughs> because for some reason... Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. I'm like, where was that? Where's Gabriel's body? Where's where where's the bodies of the characters that we love so much? Yeah. They didn't even let Clark have that. I just... That that made me... so. I, I thought about that after. I was like, how could they not even have done... How... Who is this character? What did they... What did they do mm-hmm. to her? But anyway, like, there's... There are minuscule if you want to if you don't just want to throw the show out the window like I kind of do if you want to or if you need to find a way to make it okay 
I think there's just enough that mm-hmm. you can do it. You know what I mean? I, I love what you said about those other finales. Um, I haven't seen either of those shows, but I have just recently binge watched both seasons of The Haunting, so Hill yeah. House and Bly mm-hmm. Manor. And I think those shows in particular just expertly do like the most tragic and devastating finales that still leave you filled with hope mm. and like and joy and belief in the human experience and the hunter just didn't do that yeah no <laughs> and, they didn't and we were just also invested in it for such a long time and it just feels so fruitless <laughs> yeah. yeah i uh i know that i'm gonna bring up lost a whole bunch of times in <laughs> uh in the first part of this podcast and the third part of this <laughs> podcast um so let's just like c- complete the trifecta i guess um but <laughs> But basically, I just wanted to say that Lost is another really good example. Like people crap all over the the finale of Lost for literally no reason when, you know, it's another thing about caring about the characters is like seen as this is something that when Selena was on our Lost podcast, we talked a Mm -hmm. lot about was like being a shipper and caring about the characters is seen as like a more feminine way to watch the the show Mm -hmm. and a more masculine way to watch the show is to care about the mystery. And then, which obviously isn't true. And And I'm I'm here for both. Yeah. yeah. Caring about all of it is like just a way to watch a show. But at the end, they did answer a lot of questions about the mystery, but ultimately the show was about the characters and about their relationships and how much they loved each other and how much yeah. they meant to each other. And I think that's part of why some people don't like the finale is that they're just like, but the finale didn't end up being about the mystery and about the island. It ended up being about the characters, mm. which like to me is, was, it was just like perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, was like, very sad, but also so filled with with hope and joy, and um, was like such a good way to like let it go. Yeah, if you yeah. if you yeah. will, if you watch Lost, you know that like letting it like to remember it to <laughs> let go, and you know then it's over and it's done, and there's still so many many questions that you can ask yourself without without wanting more from the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Damon and, and Carlton recently did an interview saying that like if people want to continue lost, like they can, if they have a good idea, but I'm not going to be part of it yeah. because I've told my story yeah. and I'm like, well, if Damon and Carlton aren't going to be part of it, I don't want it. So I hope that <laughs> nobody wants to do it. But not, and that's the thing. And I, that's a good, because as you know, that, and that's actually a really good, good point you made because I, I'm not a huge fan of the lost finale. Like I, I'll say that. And that's, it's funny because I, I love relationships on shows. Like I do, I really do. Mm-hmm. I also love the mysteries. Like, like you guys, I'm sure like, but you, you love it all. You, you take the show for what it is and you find things to appreciate about it. And I, I had that, that feeling of like, but the mysteries though, like, you know, like as much as I love mm-hmm, the relationships, I was still like, yeah, but I feel like it was it was a little bit of a of a of a cop out way to avoid answering some of the questions that that I had spent a lot of time theorizing about and I felt like I'd sure <laughs> I was cheated out of of some time that I had invested in and that was basically what it was but even with that it's not like I go around saying Lost was an awful show I should have never watched it or the finale mm-hmm. was awful like the finale gave so much and not I'm not just saying that because I'm a janitor uh, but <laughs> the finale gave so much and it was like such a love letter to the characters mm-hmm. and to the, the show and to the audience and whether or not I personally it was the finale I wanted it almost didn't matter because it was the finale that I knew they wanted to give me and I was like all mm-hmm. right great thank you 
like you know you get a present you're you know they picked it out on purpose you you're gonna be like yeah. i appreciate you for this and i think that was the thing about the hundred that is so funny and that is when we get more distance maybe one day we will be able to laugh about <laughs> um is, right. is that they somehow managed to make a finale that both crapped on the mythology and the characters Mm-hmm. at the same time yeah. like it was it was they were saying this ah blah transcendence ta-da like without giving any answers to like like what what why it made sense or how it connected to this otherwise very connected mythology that's the thing that is so like through like since the idea of of, of the flame was introduced so much of this lore has been connected to 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 Becca and her technology, even the the primes that otherwise I wasn't a huge fan of, but I really appreciated it. It was like, right. wow, it's all connected. Suddenly, there's this last eleventh mm-hmm. hour thing that has nothing to do with her at all, except that she right. once rejected yeah. the test, you know, whatever. But so so that didn't make any sense. They ended it with this reunion thing on the beach that was so meaningless because they hadn't put in any of the work with these characters and they clearly didn't like they had shown through the season that they didn't care to honor those characters or who they were they forgot parts of raven's history they totally just 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 destroyed clark bellamy wasn't even there octavia didn't like like the whole blake relationship what happened why did it just fizzle out you know when it had been so important to her like that's that that would have been kind of if they had cared like the lost writers cared we would have gotten that blake finale hug we would have gotten all of that and Mm -hmm. and i just if nothing else it really 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 makes me appreciate the lost finale so much more than i ever did before Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i think one of the most telling things and like we already know this anyway but one of the most telling things was I was reading an interview with Jason after the finale, and he explained that he approached it first as a season finale and not as a series finale. Yeah, oh, you said that, yeah. And Huge that mistake. just did such a disservice to the story that he was telling that it just, I think, let everybody down <laughs> overall. Yeah. One of the uh, one of our listeners of the Lost podcast uh is um like currently watching the show um and one of their favorite characters like a lot of the character deaths are like really really well done on lost they're heroic they're um fantastic in my opinion but not all of them there are some that are like just okay and there's um one where a character dies um because the actor wanted to leave the show Mm. um and so it kind of needed to be rushed you know it wasn't as as good as it could have been because basically that character just had to leave like immediately even though they had lots of plans for them and so the death was like just okay um it was like kind of weird and the the listener of our last podcast i'm sorry i don't remember exactly who it was um but they were saying that like at least other like unlike the hundred at least they can go back and watch the show and still like enjoy seeing the character yeah unlike you know uh, Brittany can't even watch the hundred anymore because um, of what happened to Abby and Kane because it, yeah. it, it, right. it was just terrible and so bad. Um, but at least you can go back and like look at that character with fondness, even though their death was like meh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's a case of them being like, ah, oh, shoot, you know, we had so many plans for this, and the actor leaves, but they still were like, but we care about this character. You know, to to the mm-hmm. extent that we can, we want to send them out. Also, just to be smart, because again, you want to maximize your rewatch potential. Like if mm-hmm. if you exactly. were thinking like just a little bit ahead, and I think, and it's all obviously going into 
I think just, I, I know you guys have spoken about, everyone's spoken about it. It feels like one of those things that nobody speaks enough about because it's so obvious, but the, the way that they've handled the Bellamy storyline this season, the way mm-hmm. that they just butchered his character and yeah. just went back on his development. Like they basically, they're saying that Bellamy never changed from season three and Clark never changed from season five, you know? And and and, and he manipulates Raven on the ring apparently, which is what like they just, say immediately after he died. Like he manipulates her and just slandered. They're they just doing everything they can to walk back. And it's work that they've done. Like that's the weirdest yeah. thing. It's, it's this character is their creation is Bob Morley mm-hmm. the actor playing it and he, he did an amazing job but the words that came out of his mouth were theirs like it's so mm-hmm. it's just to 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 just totally again a case of writing for the actors I think just like you know having a scene where Nyla's drunk because haha Jessica gets to act drunk because Jessica's funny yeah 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 and it's it's kind of the same thing that's guiding I think those decisions in a, in a negative light and I just it's just completely and, and because they'd made him so important and made him such a cornerstone and then to think that they can just do that and the audience will yeah. still enjoy the rest of it like it's it's that was just completely absurd like aside from everything else th- what they did to Bellum it just just there was almost no coming back from that I think even if the ending had been good yeah I completely agree yeah like I in season six I just the very much hated the way that Kane and Abby died. Oh but looking back at mm. it, after what they did to Bellamy, I'm like, it pales in comparison because like... At least they died as themselves. <laughs> Ish. Exactly. At least they were like... <laughs> Ish, right. yeah. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Um, like at least they died still loving each other yeah. and like still fighting for the things that were true to their characters yeah. in some ways at least a little bit. Like I still don't think Kane would have killed himself. But yeah. like the... They were themselves in in like the emotional sense. And Bellamy, they just completely rewrote him and then didn't convince us why he had changed so much and like or what he was fighting for. Mm-hmm. And then just have Clark shoot him out of the blue, which is such a disservice to her character as well. Yeah. Because like she wouldn't do that. Like the Clark of this season is also just not the character that I loved for six years. I don't I don't know who this person is no. and it's it sucks. And I like, think that an even bigger slap in the face is the fact that they killed Bellamy like that and then literally the next episode killed off Gabriel yeah. in the most respectful way. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I was like what what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Mm, that's the thing about the hundreds. I love Gabriel, but he, I really feel like Bellamy deserved that death. But that's like again I, I think about the hundred I've criticized it for this in the past is that I feel like over the past few years especially exactly because they're intermingling the characters and the actors so much, they've given everybody a very neat death. And I and I'm even like not even mm-hmm. Kane and Abby are kind of the exceptions because they had such crappy deaths. But yeah, at the mm-hmm. same time, like Kane had an, a whole episode devoted to his death. You know, if you look at like the circumstances of it aside, there was there was some sort of a, an effort made to have him go out on his own terms. And I feel like it's been mm-hmm. many seasons since a character, like a, a major main character has not been allowed the great, I think maybe Lexa might be the last example. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, there, there must have been others in between, but but having the grace to sort of choose their own ending or to go out in a way that, that honors 
what they've been even even smaller characters have had these really elaborate deaths and you're like oh, okay mm -hmm. like i like lee as much as the next person but like relax <laughs> you know like yeah. it's, it's yeah, it was like so unnecessary and then to contrast that with the one character who gets to die such a crappy badly mm -hmm. set up death and then just be discarded like his body was literally just still lying on the floor and nobody cared and it's just like what what do you expect us to do with that as an audience how do you expect us to take anything seriously after that i almost wish that uh everybody at the end on the beach got the the ending that monty and harper got because like you were saying like they got to choose their ending yeah. and you know everything like that and it's like i would have liked to like you know see everybody old and, yeah, and everything because yeah. then you know at least you told me that everything was okay you know like you're, you're, it's so open-ended which there's a place for an open-ended ending but yeah what were you gonna say sam although that would have you you can't do that i'm sorry sorry i just want to say you can't do that because there would be one person left when everyone else was dead and it would yeah, have been so true. depressing <laughs> sorry go on yeah mm -hmm. that's true that's true yeah yeah like you guys were saying that there's no way that Murphy doesn't eventually regret uh, not being immortal because mm -hmm. eventually he and Amori are going to age and die. And yeah. like if he has to watch her die or mm -hmm. vice versa, they're, they're going to be miserable. Yeah. I think we are going to start wrapping up now, but is there anything else that you wanted to mention, Selena, before we do? Ugh, I wish I did. I'm really sorry that I'm like so apparently still had so many emotions. I thought I was over it. <laughs> I just, I, oh, I, girl. Yeah, no, we're with you. I think the I think the so close moments are the worst, like you guys have been saying as well. Like whatever we talk about, the answer always seems to be they didn't care or respect their own story enough to make it make sense. So why should we mm -hmm. have to? And also if they had just they all of the ways that you could have tweaked this finale without filming any, anything different, without bringing in any other actors, without doing anything, like you could have made something that not like it's not a question of giving the audience what they are shouting about wanting it's about paying respect to the story that you have been telling and i think they just mm -hmm. failed that on every level and i think just just because we didn't talk about it i did just want to say that as well about lexa how incredible as, as a fan of that character and as someone who like she has been just they have refused to let that character die for four yeah. years we have been sitting here, like even the, the if 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 Sam if the first review you ever wrote was the one where Lexa died or after Lexa died, like you probably came to the same conclusion I did, which was like this mm -hmm. decision was like there's no that it was just a bad decision for the character for what she represented for the story i frankly but we were willing to sort of stick with the show and and see what else it had to offer because we thought there was so much more to it and i think the show's mm -hmm. refusal to let go of lexa to the detriment of everything else especially clark's character mm -hmm. because she's been so isolated and the only one she's been allowed to sort of except for maddie which is a whole other mess like the, it was always Lexa, 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 but Clark was never actually allowed to have Lexa and the audience was mm -hmm. never allowed to have Lexa, but none of us were allowed to forget her and, and move on. And Clark, mm -hmm. you know, that was the thing that I just wanted for her was just to finally be able to move on. And I think making an ending where you sort of have like you, you kill the flame in the same episode that Bellamy dies incidentally, mm -hmm. and you bring back uh, the actress in this iconic uh, getup that is for the gifts more than anything else i'm convinced of that yeah. right and you yeah. don't even let it be her it's it's a yeah, it's a exactly. it's performative and it's it's cruel i think i think that there was this this was not a good enough reason to never let clark move on 
and never let the audience mm-hmm. sort of come to peace with it because in the end they didn't. And I know some fans are happy about it. I'm not, I, I really don't understand why if they, unless they just didn't watch the episode, which might be true. Um, but yeah. seeing her again, like that, the image means so much, but, but image without context or content or, or, or substance is, mm-hmm. is meaningless if you cared about the show. And I think there's so much of this finale is proof of that, but, but maybe her more than anything else. So that was just extra disappointing on top of a mountain of disappointment for me. No, I completely feel the same way because like I had an inkling that at least Lexa and Abby were go- going to come back. Yeah. Well, they and were then, in that video, the Comic-Con thing. Like as soon as those actors showed up there, right. I was like, ah, all right then. There's something, something's brewing there. Yeah. So it's just like, like you said, it's so hollow Yeah. to have, to have them just be brought back as like, not even themselves as like, as the enemy, basically. And speaking these horrible things. Yeah. Exactly. Like when we were watching, um, Brittany and I are obviously Abby is our favorite character and just having her come back and then using Abby's face to say that humanity is not worth redeeming and like not worth evolving into something more. It was just so insulting um, Mm -hmm. to watch because like it's not Abby, but you're using her face to say all these horrible things. Yeah about humanity and like just invalidating her entire character and like the same with Lexa it's it's not Lexa and like I'm I am happy for the gifts and the fan cams and like all of the sure (laughs) AU material that I get out of it like I I, I'll take that but it's not enough Mm. (laughs) and it's not it doesn't do justice to the story it doesn't do justice to the characters it's it's like you said, It we drug her memory out for so long and then brought her back as a ghost. And it's more insulting than... As a haha, like, look look what you still can't have. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And also to Clark, look what you still... You, you still can't have this. You get these consolation prizes, Bellamy's friends, but haha, mm-hmm. like, no Lexa for you. And yeah. And no Maddie for you. Yeah, and like you... No Maddie for... Yeah. They, they like acknowledge that she loved Lexa, and, but she still can't have her. And, and the reason that Maddie like stays behind is that she's worried that Clark would be sad that she's, she ends up alone. And I'm like, but who does Clark end up with? <laughs> like Clark, Clark is still essentially alone. Like I will assume that Princess Mechanic is in game, <laughs> but you didn't tell me that it's in game, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yes. I'm with you in that. Yeah. <laughs> No, Ugh. yeah, but I mean, yay Amori, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I've got to look on the bright side, the one little tiny bright side. Yeah, exactly. I think it's funny that, you know, Bob got such a, like, trash ending as Bellamy, and then Richard was like, can I pick my ending? And Jason was <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> I know. I don't even, like, the thing, like, oh, my God, so please do not let, like, TV writers ever get so wrapped up in their their actors that they forget about their characters like Mm -hmm. oh my god (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) but um selena thank you for joining us everybody who's listening uh don't oh thank you for having me (laughs) don't go anywhere there's still uh one more part to this uh podcast where we're going to be answering your guys's questions um but we wanted to thank selena for joining us thank you so much and thank you i i told robin that i was just gonna like scream uninterrupted for an hour and i think that's (laughs) literally like almost exactly what i did (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, it was a pleasure, 100%. Mm-hmm. You too. It was great. Very cathartic. I can't wait to, to listen to the rest of your show. Thank you. Um, can we uh, hear like where people can follow you on the internet if they want to? Oh, yeah, sure. I'm, I might privatize my account at some point soon now that I do not have to. Because, you know, the thing is that I have like the we have a movie coming out next week in Denmark and I'm doing like all the social media for it. And the people at work right. are like, how are you so good at social media, Selena? And I'm like so afraid that they're Googling me. <laughs> It's like, you don't need to know. No. So, but anyway, for now, my Twitter is Selena underscore hypable. And my username is Selena because it's Halloween. Um, (laughs) Selena. And that's like, Selena. (laughs) Yes. And that's, that's probably the place to find me. And I, I've, I've, like everyone else, gotten obsessed with the that crash landing on you Korean drama. That's so amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what I'll be talking about. <laughs> also, by the way, Selena, congratulations on your uh, on the film that you've been working on yeah. and your. Uh, Thank you. This big career shift for you. That's uh, amazing. And I'm genuinely so proud. Thank you so much. I, I spent some time covering the hundred where I was like, Ooh, maybe like they'll hire me in Hollywood. And then I realized that that wasn't going to happen. I was like, all right, well, <laughs> what, how else should I make this happen? And then I, I did. So I'm, I'm very happy uh, yeah. for that. That's amazing. Yeah. And you guys can check out um, all of Selena's previous articles on the hundred on Hypeable, right? Yes. Yes, they can. And go yeah. go look back at how, okay. how hopeful and, and young and, and naive I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. This was great. Yes. Thank you to Selena. And um, we will be right back in mm-hmm. <laughs> like five seconds for our listeners to uh, to answer questions. Time um, jump. Uh, hey, Selena, yes. see you on the internet. Bye. <laughs> on the other side. Oh, All wait. Right, no, that's meaningless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, hi, welcome to part three. It is the Q&A period. Uh, so, hi, I'm Robin, I'm here. Hi, I'm Samantha, I'm also still here. Uh, Brittany's here. Hi! She is in the background, um, and she said that if she has anything to add, she's gonna join us and answer some questions that you guys have. But sometimes she doesn't have anything to add, so then she won't. So that's why <laughs> she's sitting over there. Um, but just know that she's here. My mom taught me if I didn't have anything nice to say. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have anything nice to say, <laughs> but she's here and we love her and um, she'll just be in the background as uh, the first listener of this podcast. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I have split these questions into several different phases. So we've got uh, questions about like season seven um, and then we have questions about like the hundred overall and it kind of like gets broader from there. So perhaps Brittany can join us for some of the questions that are about the hundred overall rather than about um, season seven. Um, also, these are a lot of questions and this podcast is very long already. So Sam and I have both already prepared our answer for these questions. So discussion after we read out our answers will be at a minimum, but that's just because we're trying to get through them all. Um, (laughs) Thank you guys so much for sending in your questions. It makes us feel very loved and special. Mm -hmm. And we both just, we both took the questions and uh, answered them privately for Mm -hmm. our, for each of ourselves. And we haven't read each other our answers yet, yeah. so it'll it'll be a surprise for everybody. Yeah. So we are starting with um, questions that are all about um, season seven. So this question comes from David. He asks whether Notfeld by behind the scenes changes or with just with various tweaks. Is there a version of the season seven story, Bardo, Transcendence, Beach Reunion, and so on that would have worked for you? If so, what? And we got a couple of questions similar to this, so I'm just going to read them and then we'll answer all three of them. Um, this one comes from Kira, who is at 
Key Robs on Twitter, and she asks, what changes, major or minor, would you have made to the final season? And we also got one from Kylie, who is at Kylie in the Sky on Twitter, and she asks, how would you guys have written the ending of this show? What would your season seven look like? I have a long answer. <laughs> it's not, it's like longish. Would you like to go first or, or would you like me to go first? Uh, I can go first since okay. my answer is probably much shorter than yours. Sure. For my season seven, I probably wouldn't have even gotten to a season seven. Mm-hmm. I would have ended it at season five and had them like return to earth and, mm-hmm. and had that ending sort of, uh, which I'll talk about later in response to some other questions. But uh, tweak season seven that would have worked for me. Honestly, for as many problems as I had with season seven, I genu- genuinely would have either forgiven them all or at least been able to look past them uh, if the dead had also been allowed to transcend and thus choose to also come back to the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's also just throw out that forced sterilization rule because that's uh, weird. weird and gross. <laughs> yeah. So then we, that way we have everybody on the beach that Clark ever loved and everyone that we ever loved finally at peace on the shore meeting again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone, everything would have had depth and meaning and a, a sense of finality while also leaving room to continue playing in the universe and choosing love above everything else. Okay. And, um, yeah, that's, that's all it would have taken for me. Right. <clears throat> so for my answer, um, for Kira's question, which was, uh, which changes would you have made the season? Um, I would have lost Transcendence, or at least had Cadigan be super wrong about it, so Transcendence wasn't even a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have kept Bellamy around and not made him crazy. Honestly, I don't even know how I feel about the Anomaly Stone in general. Like, why are we going to a whole bunch of different planets? Like, I... Didn't really care for that, to be honest. So for David's question, literally all that needed to happen, like, if I was just looking at the finale, what would have worked for me was for everyone to stay the same and not transcend. I would have been totally happy with that. You know, the moment where Raven is like, just give us a little bit more time. If we yeah. had just, been, if the transcendence people had been like, okay, you can, and that that was it, and they just, just let, left. let human the human species continue to live, that would have been it. I genuinely, I would still have some complaints with the finale because a lot of things happened in it, mm-hmm. but ultimately I would have been happier with that than what we got, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So for Kylie's question, um, I am not, she basically said, have, how would you have written the ending of the show? How would you have written season seven? And this is like my big stuff. So I, first of all, am not a TV writer. Um, and this isn't taking into account like uh, budgets and what's possible filming wise, etc. So Um, It's easier to say what I would change about it rather than what I would do if I had all the freedom in the world. Um, So if the anomaly had to be a thing, I would make I would make it like a time travel thing. I would want Clark to go back to all of the places that have meant the most to her. Um, Like Raven in the finale, like Ghost of Christmas Future style where like Mm -hmm. nobody can see her, but like we're like re visiting it and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know how each episode would have been made more interesting. I don't even know how to bring in the other characters at that point. Um, but Shade Hedda would have died right at the top of the season. Um, or Shade Hedda would have died at the end of season six. And just not been just brought not back. Been brought back. Um, but I would try and make this show a circle of some sort instead of like some really cool line that then just puttered off into nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it mm-hmm. would have been nice to have it come full circle somehow rather than just... Um, showing a clip of Clark from the pilot, which felt yeah. like they're what they were trying to do. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for your questions. And we're gonna yeah, move like, on now. Clark oh, go ahead. Clark could have like, you could have had the same thing if you had used your uh, Christmas past situation yeah. and like had Clark see herself in the cell. And like, Brit- I think Brittany's discussed this a couple times mm-hmm. as well. And just had Clark revisit those moments and still end up making the choices that she mm-hmm. made. Oh yeah, the TNG ending. Yeah. Yeah. 
So this next question comes from Jeff. He said, I think most people agree on an adjusted version of the season five finale is a great series finale. And regardless of their thoughts on the series finale itself, there's a general anti-season sentiment. My question is for those who were into season six, do the great parts and positives of season six outweigh the negatives of season seven enough to make book two worth it and not just have stopped when Monty delivered everyone to Sanctum? Okay. Do you want me to go first again? I, I think I'll go, go first this okay. time. Um, so I enjoyed the first half of season six a lot, but I felt that it was so disconnected from what the show has always been that perhaps the goods could outweigh the bads for season six for me. I know that's not the opinion of the other two people in the room, <laughs> but the negatives of season six and seven vastly outweigh the positives of season six and seven. So sorry, Hope. Uh, and in general, I don't think that book two was worth having. Uh, for me, also no. Um... I know that I'm personally biased by the loss of Kane and Abby in season six and not everyone agrees with me and that's fine. But those two deaths and the general like just derailment after Clark's battle to get her body back in mm -hmm. the mind space. Like I loved that episode. Yeah, I loved that but episode. But like from there it, it derails pretty quickly. I agree. Um, and it, it just throws out any excitement I had for expanding the universe in this way. Um, I would have preferred the version of season five where Earth grows back as it's supposed to and then our people build something new from scratch there as Kane had mapped out in season mm -hmm. five. Yeah. Oh, Kane had the idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we also got a similar question from Alice, who is at Alice underscore V underscore Smith, who we had an email from earlier. And she asked, what are your thoughts on the theory that the show was intended to end at season five when Maddie spared the Allegis prisoners and broke the cycle of violence with the end game being everyone living in Shallow Valley? Do you think the show would have been stronger overall without book two being tacked on? Are there any aspects of the final two seasons that you think really added to the characters and story that you would have missed? So I can't really name anything in particular about the last two seasons that I liked enough that mm -hmm. I would miss them. I really loved Josie and Gabriel and Hope, but other than that, I do believe that this show would have been stronger stopping at season five. Um, meeting Jordan for the first time at the end of season five, I expected him to be something else than what he ended up being. I wasn't a fan of his arc at all. I thought that he would have more Jasper, his namesake, in him. But honestly, I felt like he was kind of a buzzkill. Uh, no shade to Shannon or anyone that likes him, of course. I just expected him to be different and was disappointed. Um, yeah, so once again, I just think that it would have been better if we had just stopped there. Even if we had just, like, gotten Jordan. I don't know how that would have worked out. Like, I think Monty and Harper would just be on Earth or whatever. So we might not even get Jordan at all in that sort of context. But No, I feel like they, you still can. Uh, in my version of the season five finale, mm -hmm. you still have... Monty and Harper like continue and like have like live their lives because they get pregnant pretty early in the 10 year gap. Gotcha. Oh, so, I like, see. So we all just, go up there and we all go through cryo and everything yeah. and we all come back down exactly. and live on her. Gotcha. Yes. So yeah. Anyway, Jordan, I think that what they did to Jordan was not what I was expecting. And I was disappointed in Jordan because I expected him to be like a mixture between Monty and Jasper. And he seemed like Monty, but not as fun. <laughs> Sorry. You're true. It's right. I love this question, and I genuinely... And I love Alice. Yeah, I also love Alice. Uh, I generally agree with Alice a lot, uh, uh, frequently on finding, like, the peacetime eras of the mm -hmm. show to be the most fascinating. Yes. And I would have loved uh, this as a version of this as a season finale. Um, I quite enjoyed season five in general, personally, uh, and I feel like ending it there now, like, with what I know in retrospect, would have been the right thing to do. Uh, and, like, having everyone just lay down their weapons and build a society based on, like, love and community and valuing our differences would have been a perfect ending. The only thing I can really think of from book two that I feel added any value, except now that I've heard Robin's answer, I also loved uh, Hope and Gabriel and Josie. I thought mm -hmm. those were cool characters, but not enough to, like, bring those exact characters in. Mm -hmm. The thing that I wrote down was... Uh, 
having J.R. Bourne's presence in general on the show. Not the characters he played, because he was villains both times, but uh, J.R. was fantastic, and I feel like if he could have been brought into the series during book one, uh, that I would have quite enjoyed him, either as an Allegis prisoner or perhaps a grounder or another person from the Ark to add additional depth to the bunker storyline or something. That would have been great. But there aren't really a lot of other redeeming moments from the final two seasons that I feel were necessary. Um, I do like the... Octavia, Hope, and Dioza stuff from season seven, yeah. but that could have also just as easily happened in Eden, um, in in like our own minds in the version of season five that ends with everybody going back to Earth. I agree. I think that Octavia's arc wouldn't have been as interesting um, ending on season five. Yeah. I like it wouldn't have been as full circle for her, mm-hmm. but I we could have imagined sure what happens for her right. ha- playing out in a very similar way because, mm-hmm. like, she would have been exiled and Diaz also would have been exiled and right. they would have, like, lived on the corners of this society until they learned to be better people and, like, mm-hmm. reintegrated eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we also got something from Andrew who changed up changed up the format a bit. Um, he said, I disagree about dead people transcending. I don't think they have control over life and death. Only can affect the living. But I agree it may have been more satisfying story-wise if our favorite dead characters got a happy ending. Sorry, that wasn't a question. You know what? That is okay. I understand where you're coming from. I can agree with that for sure. I then wish that Bellamy hadn't died <laughs> and then we could have kept him or like we just don't transcend at all. Like I think I think we can all agree that what happened wasn't as satisfying as anyone hoped. Yeah. I, I get where he, what he's saying with like saying that aliens don't like have that power. Sure. But also like if we're bringing in aliens, which is just really <laughs> dumb at this point, mm-hmm. do the rules really matter? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if they're magic already, then why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If totally. You, if you're literally an alien from another species that turns people into glowing balls of light, can you not just also <laughs> find the souls of the dead people? Exactly. Like, like they on. make the rules, so why not? Yeah. So um, this next question comes from Izzy. She asks, "Do you think the gang will stick around on just Earth, or will they use the stone to travel about? It, uh, for example, to Bardo and use the MCAP as a weird version of like TV and memory sharing? Maybe Jordan could finally meet his namesake Jasper. Um, I think that's a really cute idea, and I'd be interested in in storylines like this maybe in fan fiction clark does still have her helmet i think so i think this could be possible um unless the stone is like buried in rubble because i know that they like got it out of the concrete but then i don't know what happened to the rest of the bunker after that if it like Mm -hmm. collapsed anymore or anything um i kind of hope that they stay on earth forever though yeah or at least like no one lives on bardo if they were to go back to bardo Mm -hmm. i hope that they like come back to Earth and, like, that's where their, like, permanent settlement is. Uh, I also think this is really cute. Personally, I imagine and agree that they would uh, build their lives on Earth and just spend most of their time there. Um, But I do feel like getting resources from the other planets would be helpful and... Mm -hmm. Uh, so, would, like, exploring them would be a fun activity, or just exploring the rest of Earth mm-hmm. if they want to, because, like, who knows how much of it is green now? Just to give them, you know, something else to do instead of just sit around and stare at each other until they all die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, and Levitt's there, right? So, Levitt knows how to use the MCAT. Yeah, that's so true. It probably, I mean, I, they could, and I would be interested in, <laughs> I would be interested in, in reading something like that. I'm just, like... Then do you voluntarily, like, go through your memories or, like, is it... And who here has the best memory of Jasper? Octavia? Oh, yeah, I guess. Because Monty's gone. Ah. 
So who? How much would you want to see Murphy's memories? It would just be him being an <laughs> asshole. Yeah. Just life. no. You would go through Murphy's memories from the Ark and just watch mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be it would be really sweet. Um, like for space crew to go through, and then Jordan could see like memories of his own parents, like yeah. being in love and and everything. I think that's really lovely. Yeah. Um, this question comes from Joanna, who is at VeryDCML on Twitter, and she asks, for this transcendent slash magic type ending to work, how early do you think they would have needed to introduce this part of the universe? Do you have any idea how it could have been introduced? So, yeah, um, all season I've been talking about how we've, like, brought in this element of magic that Mm -hmm. was never around, it's always been about science, um... So, uh, I think that magic needed to be part of the show from the beginning. Uh, one of Lost's main themes is man of science, man of faith. And there was a freaking monster, like, in the pilot. The monsters on this show were people. And, I mean, once we got to know them, they weren't monsters anymore. But, like, the others on this show were the grounders. Um, and it made sense, like, scientifically. So, I guess if it were to make sense later than the pilot, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, like, once they got to Sanctum, maybe? Like, the beginning of book two, they could introduce magic because it's a new planet and a new book but they didn't uh so like i don't even know how it could have been introduced it's kind of weird uh my answer uh was season three Mm -hmm. that's when they really started expanding the mythology of the show like beyond the specific generation that we're with Mm -hmm. uh and exploring becca's research and the flame uh so maybe if like the stone had been brought in at that time and then woven through the rest of the series it might have been a convincing place to go in the end Instead of just, like, seeming like something they made up in the end to just wrap it all up. Mm -hmm. So now we're moving away from questions about Season 7 in particular and into questions that are specifically about the show mostly as a whole. So this question comes from Kat, who is at KatMSquared on Twitter. And she asks, who do you think the god aliens would manifest for your top two favorite characters? Oh, top two! Crap, I only prepared one. (laughs) (laughs) Example, who would they appear as for Murphy or for Abby? I thought she was asking my top one and your top one equals two. Which is Murphy and Abby, because those are the examples she provided. Um, Anyway, I only prepared one for Murphy. Bonk. (laughs) But I guess Bellamy can be my other favorite. So both and both. Thank you. (laughs) Why don't you go first for this one? Okay. I think it depends on the parameters of the test, because Mm -hmm. if the person, the entity chooses has to be dead, then my answer sort of changes Mm -hmm. because in a perfect world uh i would assume if abby is taking the test that kane and clark are both still alive right uh but if abby ended up taking the test right after kane died then he would definitely be the person that appears for her Mm -hmm. i like the concept of the person being all three things that check those little boxes that the entity gave us love teacher and failure um and i think after losing kane the way that she did that she would he would certainly fit all three for abby because in my opinion he was the love of her life and Mm -hmm. then They both taught each other to be better people, and uh, then the way that she lost him would feel, at the time especially, like her greatest failure. Mm -hmm. If the person doesn't have to be dead, and I'm still in my perfect world where everyone I like is alive, then I think it would be Clark for Abby, because their bond was one of the most important to me in the series. And then, even though it fell to the wayside as the end of the show approached, I think that having to answer to the entity as Clark would keep Abby, like, most honest Mm -hmm. um, and fighting for what she always fought for in general, which was to find the best hope for humanity to, like, keep surviving. And then my final answer here, if I'm giving Abby maybe, like, one of each of the things, uh, teacher and love, either being Clark or Kane, whichever you throw in there, I would also throw in... Maybe Jake is her greatest failure because she probably does right, regret yeah, she, that. Mm-hmm. And then for second favorite character, I would typically say Kane, and it, obviously I would give him Abby. Um, and then I already sort of touched on this earlier in the pod. Um, 
But I, I would say I would like to have seen Clark face Lexa, Abby, and Bellamy, all mm-hmm. three. Yeah. Sure. So I basically wrote something very similar. If the rule is that the character that shows up has to be dead, <laughs> I think that Murphy's character would be Bellamy. And that's not even wishful thinking. I mean, maybe it is a little bit. <laughs> but I think that that's the person that meant the most to him in his lifetime that was dead at that point. And I think that all of these edits that people are making, as heartbreaking as they are, are totally correct about that. And I would have loved to see it. So off the top of my head, my second favorite character is probably Monty. Mm. And um, I don't know how Monty taking the test would even never like fit into the actual storyline or whatever. But um, I'd love to see Jasper be Monty's person in there because he might even see Jasper. He was his, maybe also all three because he might, he might see it as a failure that he didn't get to Jasper in time to save his life um, in season four. I agree. So we got a couple of questions from my mom, Denise, who is at DC Jeffrey on Twitter. um, And I have like dispersed those within the rest (laughs) of these questions. So just know that. Um, So she asks, I know the show is not about romance, but would you say that Monty Green is the most romantic character? If so, who would you say is the most romantic? Um, So I said that just uh, due to him being recent, Gabriel comes to mind. Oh yeah. Um, But as for the show as a whole, I think Kane and Abby were very romantic. I think that, I agree that Monty was, he always had very like smooth lines, which I never really expected from him, but when it <laughs> happened, you're like, okay. Um, but when I think of romance, I don't really think of Monty. Um, yeah. may, I was thinking maybe Lincoln. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say Monty is pretty romantic, mm-hmm. but my uh, my top option is personally Kane, especially circa like season five, four and five, uh, where I feel like almost all of his actions were motivated by how much he loved Abby. Um, and then honorable mentions here, I would throw in Murphy. Mm-hmm. He Ooh! literally proposed. He's true. the only person that got to propose on mm-hmm. the show. I mean, come on. Yeah. And then honestly, Harper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like the show obviously forgot about her, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like it was her influence on Monty that makes him so romantic in our minds, uh, especially after all it was her who said, don't we deserve to be happy even if it's just for a few moments. That's true. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom also asks, uh, which characters, if any, do you think had satisfying closure to their character arcs? Um, why? Which ones do you think had no closure to their arcs? And we got a similar question from Jane who asked, now that the series is complete, who do you think got the best character arc across the entire run? Um, so I said that I think the character with the best arc was Octavia, hands down. Um, hers truly was an actual arc. <laughs> um, I, I think that Clark was deeply robbed of one. Um, yeah. You'd think that Clark would be the character you would want to make sure you didn't mess up. Yep. But alas, uh, a character is meant to be different from the beginning, but they're not meant to be unrecognizable. And exactly. it feels like that's what Clark is. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think Octavia had the most and probably only satisfying arc uh, that came really full circle. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wasn't perfect, but it was satisfying. I don't think that any of the rest of them had closure except maybe like Levitt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Like, I guess you could maybe say Murphy and Amori too, but in general, it's also bleak and definitely not Clark or Bellamy or Raven. Mm Mm-hmm. And then for Jane's question, I said again, Octavia, she had the most complete story and she never really got thrown under the bus for the plot. Even when she was a villain, she was compelling and interesting and her story made sense. She went from the girl under the floor being punished for being born to the girl who saved the human race. And that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I also, uh, if we're thinking about people who like aren't finishing their arcs in season, in season seven, Monty's arc was pretty good. Yeah. Um, my mom also asked if you could save one character from death other than Bellamy, because that's a given, who would you save? How would you have them fit into the finale? And would they trans choose to transcend or no? Um, so I would definitely save Bellamy, but other than that, the next person that comes to mind is Monty. 
but I love Mon I loved Monty's end and I can't say that for everyone so I would want it to end there mm-hmm. um, I think I would want Jasper here mm-hmm. uh, Murphy's the only character left with a sense of humor and if Jasper were around things might be happier I would probably keep him on Sanctum for season 7 uh, instead of Tabardo and I think he would be on the beach with everyone he might even be a good person to take the test nice uh, I said Abby obviously mm-hmm. Uh, I would have loved to have seen Abby here with Clark, and I would have had her at Clark's side during the season, sort of guiding her into making better choices than what ended up happening. Uh, honestly, I doubt Bellamy would have died if Abby had been alive, because Clark wouldn't have made that choice with Abby watching over her shoulder. Mm-hmm. She also wouldn't have been so reckless and careless with Maddie in the end. Clark would have been able to have that conversation that she had with Gaia with her own mother, and it would have like had that much more weight. Right. Um, in this version, the if the dead still don't transcend, Abby would 100% come back with Clark, regardless of where Kane ended up. Mm-hmm. Um, and Abby would, I just think Abby would give up whatever the options are to be with Clark. So another one for my mom, um, of all the dropped plot points, and there were many, which one do you most wish would have gotten explored? And of course, as soon as I read this question, I'm like, I don't remember any dropped plot <laughs> point that ever occurred. Um, but the first one that I think of is the worms in season five, uh, because like that's the one that I like always think of as like the big dropped plot point that mm-hmm. was so obviously dropped, but I hated the worms, so I don't actually want that. Um, so I thought that I wish we would have spent more time with Dev. We like talked about him a couple more times but I like I want to know what law he broke I want to know like and we didn't we hardly ever heard about the laws again after that like what are the laws I yeah more more things about like what the actual rules are on Bardo I guess the biggest one that comes to mind for me is Allie up on the ring Mm -hmm. that's oh yeah yeah huge drop plot point but also I did not like Allie as a person Mm -hmm. (laughs) obviously because she's a villain um so I didn't want uh I didn't say that one I said I think I would have enjoyed learning more about grounder grounder culture and specifically from season seven, why was the Asgeta symbol on the concrete above the stone? I'm not interested in watching the prequel, especially if it's in Jason's hands, so mm-hmm. I won't ever get an answer about that. But I also would have liked to have just explored more about how that society was built and the mythology of the flame and how it worked and what it was like to be commander with all the previous people just like still living in your head and having a voice in all your decisions. So I think that would have been cool to explore, but again, if it's in Jason's hands, I don't want to. Yeah. Um, this question comes from Nikki Bobby, who is at Nikki Bobby 180 on Twitter. And he said, thank you for doing your The 100 podcast. It has given me something to listen to other than the mindless radio that has played at my work. I was thinking, what are your top five scenes in the entire series? Uh, thank you so much for finding us entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, okay, so I decided this is in no particular order. I just picked five and I didn't put them in an order. Okay. So I always say that this is my favorite Murphy scene. So of course it had to be part of it. It's Murphy yelling at Clark something like, the last time you were saving us, I was saving you. Um, in season four, the slow-mo radioactive at the end of the flashback episode in season three, Monty and Jasper eating cake in Mount Weather slash when Monty wouldn't leave Jasper when he was getting his blood taken. And he like does the things where he like puts his finger up and just sits down. Murphy telling Raven about his parents at the beginning of season two. Mm-hmm. And then space crew on the arc at the beginning of season five. Nice. Yeah. Those are um, great picks. And I don't think we picked any of the same ones. Okay. <laughs> Mine are also like vaguely in an order, but mm-hmm. like not, I, I would change it at any moment when right. you ask me. So I put first for number one, I put like, should I go, should I go backwards or forwards? Um, do, uh, not worst to best, but like, like count down to the one to that you think is the best, that your is your favorite. 
Okay, so for my like five, I put a selfish selfish answer and then like narrative answer. Mm-hmm. Um, my narrative answer is like uh, the people on the ark volunteering for the culling. I mm-hmm. think is a really compelling scene. Um, and then my selfish selfish answer is Clark is Lexa showing up when Clark's like getting the crap beat out of her in the city of light, and mm. she just like flies over right. and just like slays all those people. I think that's a cool scene. Um, and then four, I put Kane taking the chip when Jaha threatens Abby's life. Um, I'm a glutton for this trope. I know it's, like, dated, but anytime, like, lover is in danger and, like, the enemy is, like, using them to get to you, I, I'll eat it up. I'm, I'm gonna take it. Thank you. Number three is, uh, I can't do this again, slash the cabbie kiss mm-hmm. in, uh, 309. Um, I have my problems with that episode. Rest in peace, Lincoln. But... I do think those two scenes are some of the most romantic in the whole show. Mm-hmm. Number two, I put the whole season two finale, but particularly Clark and Bellamy pulling the lever together and doing, like, Clark being motivated by Abby and Bellamy being motivated by protecting Raven and Octavia um, just really, like, sums that moment up for me. And then the whole knocking on heaven's door scene is like also wrapped up in there because I cheated and put like seven in here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then number one for me is probably Kane and Abby's conversation about opening the door in 502. I think that is the most romantic Mm -hmm. scene in the whole show. And I'm a romantic, so those are my picks. Um, Brittany, do you have, uh, well, the the question is top five favorite scenes in the uh, the show, but do you have anything to add on your favorite scenes? I heard Sam talking about 309. That's uh, also for me. But um, I think all of, uh, I think 213, Resurrection, yeah. all of like the Kane and Abby scenes where they're talking about morality, those are some of the best scenes in the show and I think they get slept on. Agreed. And then of course, um, obviously, everything Clexa. Thank you. Taste. Um, this question comes from Joanna, uh, the other one, not Veridissima. She wanted to uh, <laughs> uh, clarify. She said, as a big music nerd, I've enjoyed the wide selections of songs the 100 has included throughout the entire series. So I wanted to know what's your favorite song that was used in the show. Um, so she specifically said that she wanted our favorite song as it fit in the scene and more focused on the feeling it created and how it related to the moment slash characters, not necessarily like our personal taste. Um, luckily, the 100 has like, songs that I like in it. So yeah. that like kind of worked out really nicely. Um, okay. So slow-mo radioactive at the end of the flashback episode in season three. Classic. All, all the it's time. really good. They really understood how to bring something back and like slightly change it to get an emotional reaction from the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember hearing it and just like crying. Yeah. When it happened. That episode is so good. It really is. Honorable mentions, We Come Running and Knocking on Heaven's Door. And then also Murphy singing This is the Sea at the beginning of season six, which might go into my top five favorite scenes as well, potentially, because the Murphy show truly is what I would that like to watch. That was a delightful scene. It was. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, my choice for this one is definitely Home 2 by mm-hmm. Dotan, I think yeah. I'm pronouncing that when correctly. When Arcadia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's used in the final scene of 201, and I think it was like probably one of the most well executed uh music moments in the show it gives it still gives me chills to watch it and i think it has the perfect mix of like melancholy over the scenes in mount weather and then hope and elation over the scenes of kate and abby and everyone making it to camp jaha um so yeah that's my pick and then my only honorable mention was knocking on heaven's door yeah Oh, yeah, I got it. So Alice, again, at Alice underscore V underscore Smith, also asks everyone's favorite personal, or everyone's personal favorite episode of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always say Spacewalker. I think that Finn's death was masterful, um, but my honorable mentions are Nevermore. 
Um, and the flashback episode in season three, which I clearly have to look up the name of, so I, think I that's did. Join or die. So I did. It's join or die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's join or die. It's in my top five, probably. Yeah, yeah. Let me look up the names of the episodes of mine. Uh-huh. Do you have? Do you know yours? Uh, I I think it was two hundred nine. Remember me? Okay. Because um, that was the first episode that I watched live, and because I thought it was so cool, mm-hmm. like going into like Tondi DC and like having the world expanded, not knowing that like the world was going to expand way too much later. Right. Um, that was like one of my favorite things, and there was just like a really good sort of like little bottle episode where everyone's just trapped and they all have to talk about their feelings. Mm-hmm. I wish when the show was like that. <laughs> Or I miss when the show was like that. Mm-hmm. And then um, I really liked parts of 316. Yeah. Because I liked the City of Light and all of the really romantic, like, Lexa stuff. And uh, I just wrote off all of season four, so. <laughs> oh, that's a, I, I, I liked Die All, Die Merrily in Wait, season yeah. four. Wait, yeah, I was just about to ask, which is the Hunger Games episode? Die All, Die Merrily. I liked that episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's 410, I think. Yeah, yeah, the one where it was basically, like, the Hunger Games, but with Octavia, like, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And I really loved, um, 504. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 504 is good. I think Deeply it's the best, like, episode. cold open of the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I actually put a top five in the one where we were asked to do top five scenes. Yeah. Um, but my, my top two that are interchangeable as my personal favorites are 502, The Red Queen, mm-hmm. and 213, Resurrection. Um, those are the episodes that I can watch over and over mm-hmm. and watch the whole thing and not skip to my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my, like, for sure, number one and number one. <laughs> um, and then I also really liked the season two finale and the season three finale. And then Join or Die from season three as well. And uh, The Chosen from season four was, like, my favorite episode from season four. Yeah. Uh, that's the one where well, maybe I'm maybe I mean the one before that. Wait, I, which one are you thinking? The of? episode that I mean is the one where Abby and Bellamy team up to open the door, and I think oh, right. that's actually oh, two eleven yeah, and not yeah, two yeah. four. That's actually four eleven and not four twelve. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. listening to you say that, can I also add to my favorite scenes? This yeah. is not a top five anymore. But um, when Raven restarts her heart at the end of season oh, four. Yes. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Um, so now we're moving into our next section, which is the hundred but for funsies. <laughs> um, so this question comes from Isra, who is at Isra Glass on Twitter, and she asks, "What's the most fun you've had while watching the show?" So the first thing that comes to mind is watching season five with Brittany. Um, we hadn't moved in together yet. I was just visiting Vancouver in May of 2018, and I moved in with her in September 2018 and we were watching like the beginning of season five I think and they showed that article about Dioza on screen and we paused it and I got like real close to the screen and like read out what it said and every sentence we had to like stop and be like (gasps) and like theorize (laughs) and try and figure out like what year they were talking about and yeah it was (laughs) awesome that's like the one that I thought of. I'm kind of pissed that like none of that backstory went anywhere (laughs) because they put so much backstory into the prop Mm -hmm. and I was like Dios is so interesting. We had so much fun investigating mm-hmm. that. Uh, my answer for this one is definitely just shipping Cabby and being part of the Cabby fandom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prime of that ship and my time with those people um, brought me endless joy that continues mm-hmm. even after the show. Uh, reading and writing fan fiction and like getting to live with and imagine and create the happy version of that show uh, was my favorite part. What was what was the episode where one of us fell off the couch? Like, remember we hit each other and we fell off? Was that season five when, was that season five when Kane is like, Abby's not my wife? Did I like stand uh, up? Yes! Uh, there was some kind of part where like one of us lost our minds and you like physically hit me because you were so like overwhelmed. I was, I wanted Kane and Abby to get married so badly that even just like 
Sam made like it a was, PowerPoint about why Cabby Baby was happening. I, I sure <laughs> did. Um, and I don't regret it at all. <laughs> there was, yeah, I think it was Dioza saying you and your wife or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just like slapped Brittany and then stood up on the couch like mm-hmm. so excited. Uh, and like, then Kane was, is like, she's not, I'm like, no, you're not. You're wrong. You've been married for like six years at this point, sir. <laughs> like, why did they put lines like that in if they were going to follow it up later? I know. Just to tease you, you know. Yeah. You know nothing had a had a point, but I will take it and I will make my own points. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was also, uh, I remember Brittany and I were, like, had met for the first time in person um, d- right at the beginning of, like, season three mm-hmm. uh, airing. And we got to watch, I think, 303 live in Hawaii together. No, babe, that was 301. Well, yeah, but we, like, we're there for multiple times. Oh, yeah, yeah, times. yeah, yeah. yeah. Either we watched we watched 301 and 302 live together and the promo pictures for 303 had come out while we were there and um, there were pictures of Kane and Abby like in Polis and Brittany just <gasps> oh, straight yeah. up fell off the bed with excitement. I forgot about that. That was so fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, yeah, the show got. We had a lot of really like good times watching mm-hmm. it. And like I met so many people that I would not trade. Like I would watch the show go up in flames over and over again to like keep these people in my life. Yeah. Um, so that's why we're sitting in this apartment. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm sitting with these people that like. Everyone else who I'm talking about, you know who you are. I love you so much. Um, this is another question from Isra. She said, if you were pranking someone alongside Monty and Jasper, which character would you prank and what would you do? So I would prank Murphy into accidentally revealing something, like preferably how much he cares about Bellamy. So we would do it like in High School Musical when mm-hmm. they stream, like, like live stream Troy saying that Gabriella isn't as important as basketball, like to Gabriella, mm-hmm. but but to Bellamy, and then no one would tell Murphy that Bellamy knew what he said, and so then we could just have, like, cute shots of Bellamy, like, looking over at Murphy, knowing how much Murphy, Murphy actually enjoys him. <laughs> I think that would be cute. Yeah. I love that. I, mine is similar in that, uh, circa a Divergent season three canon, mm-hmm. uh, where everything doesn't go to hell, I would join in on the betting pool that I am sure existed of whether or not Kate and Abby are a thing yet, mm-hmm. and, um, Monty and Jasper, Jasper's ultimate plan to win the whole pot by proving that they are. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what we would do, but that's what would happen. Okay. <laughs> um, and then this is another question from Joanna at Veridissima. Uh, she said um, she's going to ask it just like I did. Who's your favorite obscure character? So if you guys missed on Twitter this week, um, there was a big interview with the two showrunners of Lost, Damon and Carlton. And um, if you're looking for a show that's showrunned by someone that doesn't hate you, uh, check out <laughs> Lost because uh, Damon and Carlton are my best friends. I had um, sent in a question, like, maybe a month ago uh, for it, and um, it finally, like, showed up on the internet today, <laughs> or uh, this week, um, and they had answered one of my questions, which was, who's your favorite obscure character? So, um, what is the bar of, of obscurity? I also <laughs> asked this question. <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, I wish we had explored Adam more, and didn't immediately kill him, and ditto for Wells. I would, I really loved the original... Hundred. Um, I would say one of my favorites is Miles because I liked that he was like, "Hey, Finn Clark, consider letting me hang out with you." And they're like, <laughs> "Sure." And then the whole time he was like, "Wow, I'm hanging out with the cool kids." Woohoo! <laughs> one one of the kills. Uh, Murphy killed him, and I wish he hadn't. <laughs> you know, rest in peace. Yeah. Murphy killed Miles. Mm-hmm. What a dick. <laughs> Does Kara Cooper count as obscure? Um, probably not. She's insane, but I loved her. Um, I always love a good MILF. 
Um, <laughs> we know it. <laughs> but uh, I doubt she is um, obscure enough to really count. So I will go single episode obscure and go for uh, Reese's dad from season one who mm-hmm. volunteered to die for her in the culling. Yeah. I thought of him as well. Um, and this is another one from Joanna. Uh, what's the first moment you remember of watching the show or being in this fandom? Um, so my favorite moment of being in the fandom was going to Unity Days every year. Um, but my first moment of watching the show, I have live tweets of myself watching the few, the first few episodes that I uh, sometimes see um, like on my time hop and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have, the one that I always remember is a tweet of mine that says, no little Charlotte girl, you don't do that. <laughs> and you know, I think I... I just, every time I see that, there's no context to it, but I know what I mean. (laughs) And you know what, little Charlotte girl? You don't do that! Don't do that! (sighs) For me, Brittany made me watch uh, season one back in, like, December 2014. Um, So I remember binge-watching all of season one and then the first half of season two. um, And the first moment where I was like, oh, no, (laughs) about my feelings for Kate and Abby was um, when he just like heckin stares at her during the culling and I'm like what you have feelings sir oh no <laughs> um and then as soon as I watched 111 where he finds her in the airlock um I texted Brittany and I was like give me all the fan fiction you have right now immediately <laughs> and, and I, I think it. and I think you you underestimate you think I mean give me some fan fiction <laughs> that you have I mean all, all the, the fan, fan fiction, fiction that you have yeah <laughs> I also am pretty sure there's a tweet from like my live tweeting season one uh where I was like Oh no, I ship them so much that I want them to get married. Um, <laughs> Clown and, uh, squeaking. Squeak, squeak. Squeak, squeak. Squeak, squeaking. Okay, so I have three moments. The first one was that I genuinely remember the first time that I decided to watch it. And it's because I had watched, I was watching Person of Interest. Mm. And <laughs> I, the first episode that Paige Turco was in, she like started walking down the stairs and I like sat up and I was like, who is this? And I was like, oh, I guess I'm gay. That was um, Brady's gay awakening. That was my gay sure. awakening. So I reblocked something from the hundred on Tumblr, which is a very old-fashioned uh, sentence. And I said, I don't want, I don't go here, but Paige Turco is really pretty. And then three days later, I reblogged it again, and I said, I go here now. Paige Turco is still really pretty. <laughs> and I remember that like vividly. The second thing I remember was watching Two Hundred Nine Live because it was the first episode I watched live, Me and too. I was in Hawaii, and I was in the back bedroom on a tiny little TV trying to get like a live feed of the CW, and I managed it. <laughs> and then the third one was oh. When I was walking into a casino right around the early season three and I was like vividly remember looking down at my phone and getting an email saying, do you want to be part of a podcast network? And that was how I wound up with Robin. Aww. Yeah. My other funny um, anecdote about me starting the show is before I started it, I had seen gift sets and stuff. I thought Clark and Abby were sisters. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So this question first of all, is just curated specifically for us. And I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, so this question comes from AJ, who is at AJ's Trash on Twitter. And AJ has been sending us emails throughout the season that he like literally just found our podcast and listened to all of season seven. Okay, and King. that's how I know that he knows exactly what he's doing with this freaking question. <laughs> I love him. Uh, I love this question. Yeah. I love all of his emails. Mm-hmm. Thank you, sir. So he asks, hypothetically, if Disney owned the hundred... <laughs> What type of ride or attraction would you want to see for the show? And so I said, um, first of all, this is a question built specifically for us, and I thank you. Um, I'm really excited about my answer. I think I would want, your answer's going to be way better than mine. (laughs) I think I would want a Becca dropping down from Polaris ride, like the Star Wars one. (gasps) 
and a spaceship Earth-esque one for everyone coming down on the dropship. Interesting. That's so cool. And then, like, basically just, like, the story of the first season. And then we would, uh, instead of saying thank the Phoenicians, we would thank... The Arcadian? Clark, Clark, Clark for getting us <laughs> Thank you, Clark. <laughs> Thank you, Raven, for, yeah. <laughs> for making sure we didn't die. Yeah. Um, mine is, I love thrill rides, and I'm, like, a thrill ride addict. Um, I also really love drop zone rides. Mm, yeah. um, so mine is similar to yours. I would love a, a drop zone ride, but it's based on, like, sending either the whole arc or the drop ship mm-hmm. to Earth in season one. And it would just, like, go up and, like, build up. And maybe you, like, listen to music from the show on your way up or, mm-hmm. like, quotes or something. I don't know. Yeah. Something cool, like, happens sound-wise on your way up. And then you just fall over and over um, to make it worth uh, waiting in line. Imagine at the top, the thing you hear before you drop is Abby saying you're going to the ground. Yeah. Ooh, that would be yes. so cool. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I would do a drop zone ride. Cool. I love that. I'm like, where's Murphyville? Like, where's Murphyland? I'll go work there. Murphyland is just a dumpster. <laughs> In the back. So this is uh, the next question from Joanna. Um, the other Joanna. <laughs> not very this DC, is not, not Joanna. Confusing at all. Yeah. She said, "I always smile during your intros when hearing that Sam likes making playlists. Can you each share one song that always reminds you of your favorite ship or character from the series?" Thanks a ton, and thank you for all your podcast work this season. Thank you, Joanna. Um, when I read this question out to Sam last night, um, she lost it. <laughs> I did. I um, screamed, and then also I just wanted to say thank you so much um, for liking me. Uh, that makes me happy. <laughs> so I have a Spotify playlist for Murphy and for Murphy me, so thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, I I also once made a whole list of 21 pilot song, like a 21 pilot song for each character on the hundred that was back in season four mm-hmm. so like there's one for like Ilian and Roan and, <laughs> and stuff like that and Luna so um you can check that out I think that it's like the first thing we ever posted on our tumblr so I think you could probably find it if you search like if you go on our tumblr like aficionados pod or the aficionados.tumblr.com slash tag slash 21 pilots you could probably <laughs> find it if you want okay so for Murphy I can't believe I can only pick one um but I chose villains by mainland all right. Perhaps I can put a small clip All here right. if possible. Um, and then for Murphy, my playlist has 84 songs in it, so <laughs> this is kind of impossible. I did not choose one. Um, so I chose Medicine by Havilland. And then also specifically the Glee version <laughs> of of Let Me Love You Until You Learned Your To Love Yourself. It has to be the Glee version. I don't care for the original version. It's like more yeah. it's like more sped up or something. And then the Glee version made it so that it's like a slower, like more of a ballad. Mm-hmm. Um so specifically the Glee version. <laughs> Um, and then with a just deep respect to the one by Taylor Swift. Thank you so much. <laughs> and if my wishes came true, it would have been you. 
Um, I also did the same thing that Robin did, and I chose uh, three songs for Cabbie because I could not control myself because I have an innumerable amount of Cabbie playlists. Um, and then also one song for Abby because she's my favorite character. Um, so my the song I picked for Abby is uh, Comes and Goes in Waves by Greg Glaswell. Um, it's really sad, but I listened to this song on repeat after she died and just like cried for hours and hours. So uh, that song belongs to her now. Um, it also just reminds me of what the show meant to me when it was good and like what she taught me. Yeah. And then for Cabby, I picked Home by Blue October. Dancing in the kitchen in the pale moonlight. Only care in the world is that our kids are alright. Daddy loves mama and mama loves him. Tomorrow we get to do it. Sons and Daughters by Alman Brown. Now build a fire, you fetch the water, dolly the table. And in our hearts, we still pray for sons and daughters. And Stay Alive by Jose Gonzalez. I'm going to put all of these songs in the description. So if you guys want to um, like copy paste that into Spotify or whatever, then you can. Um, also, I want to just say uh, thanks, Joanna. Now I'm 100% going to end up making new playlists because of this. Uh, just to like probably like one final playlist mm -hmm. uh, to just give them the send off. Uh, give them a send off in the best way I know how. Yeah. Okay. My mom also wanted to know, she said, I've never played Among Us. So I can so I only know what I can glean off the internet, but pick one character from the hundred and explain how they might go about playing the game and or winning. Okay, so first of all, <laughs> let's explain what Among Us is. If you've been living under a rock, Among Us <laughs> is like a game you can play it on PC, but you can also like I just play it on my phone with with an app. Mm -hmm. Basically, uh, you are like a little crewmate guy in a spaceship and you're just trying to do your tasks, but one or sometimes two or sometimes three. We only usually only play with one um, imposter, but, uh, one of you is an imposter and the imposter can kill the other crewmates. And so basically as a crewmate, you're trying to finish all your tasks, um, before you get murdered by the imposter. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you find a dead body, uh, you can report it and then everybody has to have a conversation and decide if you want to vote somebody out. So the imposter's goal is to either kill everybody or... No, the imposter's goal is to kill everybody, yeah. uh, before you get your tasks done. Or you and... get voted out. Yeah, right. And then the crewmate is, goal is to get all of your tasks done. Or every vote crewmate, out. Right. Or, or vote, vote out, out the, the imposter. imposter. Exactly. So um, it has been an obsession in this household. And uh, so I, I I chose Murphy. Did you choose Abby? I did not, actually. I, I'm interested. Go ahead. Um, I chose Raven. Mm. Uh, she would just want to get her tasks done. Yeah. So badly. And uh, she would be super annoyed at everyone... Um, Calling, calling emergency, emergency meetings? meetings? She'd get so annoyed at people calling I just wanted to say, meetings. if you're on, if you play Among Us and you call an emergency meeting for nothing, I don't like you and I'm voting you out. <laughs> it's true. I, she voted my cousin out for that exact reason. I did. My cousin! Don't Raven. start emergency meetings for no reason. It's annoying. <laughs> but, like, Raven would also hate that. Yeah. And um, she would just want to get her tasks done as quickly as possible. And she would be very demanding in the chat and just be like, just get your tasks done. Skip, skip. And, and then she would uh, 
She would hate being imposter, but she would also be really good at it, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, she would not want to be imposter, but she would just be super good at using the vents to just murk everybody as quickly Mm -hmm. as possible. So, Robin. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, so I chose Murphy. Um, I think that he would want to get the imposter, but he never does because that's just his luck. Um, And since he gets the imposter so infrequently, he's very bad at it. Um, And everyone always thinks he's sus even when he isn't the imposter and Mm -hmm. he just always gets voted out first. So he's just constantly a ghost in the game. I love that. If I were to pick Abby, um, I would, she would probably like her first couple times pull a very mom thing to do, would just be like, what does the vent button do? Yeah. And like, just be like really confused. Mm -hmm. But then she would get really, really good at it and want to be the imposter every time. (laughs) So me. Yeah. So now we're going to move on to questions about podcasting. Um, This question comes from Ray and she asks, are there any podcast episodes or seasons that you are particularly proud of? Keep up the good work. Thank you. I have, mine is kind of long. So if you have one. Mine's pretty short. Okay. I've only been consistently on the hundred podcasts for season seven. uh, But I would like to say that I am proud of the episodes that I came on for in season six, which are just the episodes after Kate and Abby both died. Um, I will absolutely never, ever, ever be able to re-listen to those. Mm -hmm. Um, So I will not ever know exactly what I said. Um, But I know that I was uh, really vulnerable and honest and I'll always be proud of um, just being able to love something so deeply and be open about it and about being affected by it. I just wanted to say that I picked similar episodes and also used the word vulnerable. <laughs> um, and then, bonus, you didn't ask about any of our other podcasts. I wrote down stuff for our other podcasts, too. I really love the Midnight Club episode of ah, I did that one, too! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first of all, I wrote, thank you very much. Um, for this podcast, I'm really proud of our late season six episodes. We got really vulnerable there for a while, and I think it helped a lot of people. There was a lot of crying, but I wouldn't take it back. Um, I'm really proud of a lot of our Riverdale podcasts. They are significantly less deep, but I like the ones where we get really into theorizing and we get to make the best jokes. My favorite episode of Riverdale is The Midnight Club, so I extra love that episode of The Pod. For The Stranger Things Pod, our early season two stuff is really great for character work. Mm-hmm. Um, and for The Lost Pod, um, the ones that I always think of are uh, our episode with Aaron from Metastation, which was episode 119, um, with Selena, which was episodes 111, 112, and 217. With Claire from Metastation, which was episode 201, and with our friend Maria, which was episode 206. Those are my favorite episodes of The Lost Pod. Nice. For Stranger Things, I do not remember which episode it is, but I remember recording it in you guys' old apartment Mm -hmm. and just getting, like, really deep about uh, how it should be okay to tell stories where children are gay Mm -hmm. because children are gay and it doesn't have to be sexualized and it shouldn't be sexualized. So there's a... There's a Stranger Things pod where I talk about the possibility of quality storytelling with making Will gay. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've brought it up several times since, so I'm proud of that one as well. Do you have anything, Minnie? Anything that comes just off the top of your head? Um, I see, where you guys love season six, those are the ones I'm most embarrassed about. Of course, I know, yeah. That's yeah. completely fair. Um, I absolutely love recording Riverdale with you guys. Yeah, it's, it's so fun. so fun. <laughs> That's like the most fun I've ever had, is recording Riverdale. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of wish we still had our old season four recording. Or season three. Season three recordings because we were learning how to podcast and just getting into stuff. And I think that was like, those were really precious memories to me. Because mm-hmm. we didn't even know each other yet. Yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> so now we've got a question from Rhonda who is at AgnewRL on Twitter. Um, and she said, how do you become a podcaster? Um, my answer is I'm engaged to Brittany and Robin is our best friend. They have a podcast and I never shut up. So it came out. <laughs> <laughs> So first of all, I know, just know that it's not free. Um, so prepare yeah. to have to spend money. 
when people ask me for advice, they don't want to hear that. So I just need you to know that it's expensive. It's not it's not just free. Even though you put it on iTunes for free, you have to you have to, you have to buy a mic, you have to have a Zencaster, yeah. you have to pay for SoundCloud. Yeah. Storage. Yeah, storage on SoundCloud you because lose all your podcasts mm-hmm. if you use free storage like Yeah. Get a good mic and a good friend, figure out what you want to talk about. Um, I hate to say it, but podcasts where you just talk about your life usually only work with celebrities and people mm-hmm. who already have a following following. So you need to be talking about things that people already care about. So we do television. So it's accessible to people who watch those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that people care about us and our lives through us talking about the things that they care about. Yeah. Let me know if you have any more questions about like logistics and stuff, but that's like my main advice is don't expect to have like a huge following if you're just talking about yourself because uh, I care about you and you care about you, but uh, nobody else knows who you are. Right. You know, so you need to um, just like make sure you know what you're talking about basically. My true crime podcasts are so Because mm-hmm. people are so interested in true crime. Yeah. And also because the host personality starts to come out and then mm-hmm. that's why they have the following. Mm-hmm. Like you got to, you need a base. You need a yeah. subject. Yeah. And then you once need a you're, hook. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so now uh, just questions for funsies. Woohoo! Uh, this question comes from Chrissy. She asks, "What's your favorite potato chip flavor?" <laughs> oh, great question. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I'm Canadian, so I love ketchup chips, and I'm not afraid to say it. I respect you, even though I think they're disgusting. Okay. I respect you, even though I'm Canadian, think they're disgusting. <laughs> um, my. Absolute top tier favorite is uh, sour, cheddar and sour cream ruffles, um, which are impossible to find in Canada, and it's very sad. And my life is extremely difficult. Um, but you're in, an American living in <laughs> Canada. You're good. <laughs> there was that was laden with sarcasm, of course. <laughs> but in lieu of that, I will happily eat barbecue chips all day long. All dressed. <laughs> Brittany likes all dressed. All dressed nation. Americans can't get it, and I'm sorry for that. Uh, this is another question from Rhonda. Uh, what is your bucket list for vacations? Why? Sam can answer this one for me. <laughs> I picked a top five, and Brittany's main answer is my number one on my top five. Uh, every Disney park, because we love Disney and we love theme parks. That's my baby! And then my other answers were um, Egypt, because in high school I wanted to become an archaeologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, London, because I've never been, and I have a lot of friends who live near or around it in some capacity and uh, everyone that I know who has been has loved it. Iceland because it looks incredible and Greece because I want to live my Mamma Mia fantasy. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I always want to go back to Disney World just at any point I would love to go back to Disney World. Um, I have already been there <laughs> <laughs> um, but just like them I would like to like bucket list want to go to every Disney park in the world um, at least once. Uh, I'd like to go to Europe um, and go to the Harry Potter set tour. Is, is going to Harry Potter set tour giving money to J.K. Rowling now? Probably, yeah. I'd like to break into the Harry Potter set <laughs> tour. And I'd also like to see Ireland and Scotland and stuff like that yeah. as well. I have been to Hawaii already, but I'd like to go see more Lost Flamingo locations. Like, I've already been on a tour of those, but I want to see more of them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, uh, Rhonda also asked that, she said, I love the 100 and series like it. What would you recommend to watch next? Um, so first of all, Lost. I'm not going to go too far into it because I always do. Um, but it's a show about survival and found family like The 100 and it's just masterfully written. 
and I don't want to start out on a rant because I I rant every single every single episode. It's like you've heard it. You yeah, know. you've heard it. Um, Riverdale is just stupid mystery fun. Um, you can check out Sam's article for more that she she wrote recently. Um, if I were to recommend a show that is not one that we cover and isn't in Sam's article, I would recommend Orphan Black. It's Canadian and sci-fi. Um, I found that it was uh, kind of heavy and it had a lot of big words at times, but it's really well acted and the characters are really fantastic. Nice. Like Robin said, I recently wrote an article uh, full of the hundred adjacent things uh, that'll be in the description below. Uh, it's full of like nine different recommendations, but my top fi picks from that would be uh, Star Trek, The Haunting of Hill House, and Riverdale. If you want something not related to the, the hundred in any way, I also recommend The Bold Type and Younger um, because they both give me the serotonin molecule. Um, they're both very much uh, happier shows, and they have like a, this very bubblegum exterior and aesthetic. But those that aesthetic houses uh, genuinely good shows filled with good characters and good relationships. Um, and then I would also recommend The West Wing, um, but it's very difficult to watch um, during our current political climate. So if you are an American, please go vote and vote for Biden Harris. Yes, um, please. So that I can rewatch The West Wing and show it to my wife. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, if I can also give you something that has no has nothing to do with. Um, uh, the hundred. Uh, I can't even tell you how much joy has been brought into our household based on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, oh, oh astronomical. Uh, That's the answer. Yeah. So um, I think in Canada, all of the seasons are on Netflix. I think there are a couple seasons on Netflix in America. Um, but I recommend it truly, just wholeheartedly. Yeah. I was like racking my brain, like, what gives me the serotonin molecule? It's Drag Race. It's of yeah. course, it's Drag Race. Yeah. And there are a variety of seasons, and it's a reality show, so you can pretty much start wherever you want. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh, but you should start with season six. Thank you! Season six is my favorite, but the problem is that, like, um, they have this after show called Untucked um, that I think is what kind of, like, makes season six, because season six <laughs> yeah. has such good episodes of Untucked, yeah. and those aren't on Netflix, so... But I think they are on YouTube, so you might be able to find them anyway. Um, so if you watch season six... Make sure you find those untucked because those really those really hammer at home. Yeah. Once you once you get into the show, like via season six, you can then go like watch all the other seasons, mm -hmm. which are also delightful. Also, they have All Stars seasons. Ooh, All Stars two. All Stars two is god tier. Mm -hmm. All Stars two, um, season All Stars five. five. Yeah. Yeah. All Stars five was also really good. Um, season eight and season nine. Chef's kiss. Mm. Season nine was the first season that I watched live, and it has the most iconic finale. Mm -hmm. um, oh wow, yeah. So season ten was the first season that I watched live, so I also have a very special place in my heart for season ten. And also, we just had season twelve, right? Yes, yeah. so season eleven. Season eleven. <laughs> shut <laughs> up. Season eleven. I had a whole. I had an issue <laughs> during season eleven because it was the first time that two drag queens. Like, during the time that they were on the actual show. Like, there are some drag queens who, like, potentially, like, got together after the show or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in season 11, it was the first time when two drag queens were falling in love, like, on the show while it was happening. And it was life-changing! <laughs> oh, yeah, and then one of them was the, was the first Canadian drag queen to ever be on Drag Race. It was incredible. Anyway, so... <laughs> and, like... Uh, there's also season seven, which gets, gets a bad rap as a boring mm -hmm. season, but it has Trixie and Katya on it, mm -hmm. and, um, they bring us a lot of joy. And they sure. have a YouTube show, which is hilarious. Right, that's another show that you can, uh, watch. It's called, um, uh, <laughs> uh it's, I'm Googling that. yeah, it's spelled U-N-E. 
And then like four and H's. H H H. Anyway, you'll you'll find it. Go on YouTube, search Trixie and Katya. You'll find it. Anyway, um, it's uh, a little explicit, so let's not watch that around our parents or our children. Um, but it is very funny. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, thank you guys so much for all your questions, and we will see you guys in 2021 to talk about season three. I think I wrote down um the exact date down here so that I can give. Yes, I can. All right. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and us all season and us for the past four seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sending such delightful questions. This Mm -hmm. was a really much more fun way to wrap up the series than uh, just talking about the season finale or the series finale because um, it was bad and this was not. (laughs) Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Um, Please, if you are so inclined, if you enjoyed us this season, uh, write us a review on Apple Podcasts or um, wherever you're listening. We'd really appreciate it, even if you just want to do those little stars. Um, It really helps. And uh, recommend us to a friend because, like I said earlier, um, we are, uh, we are starting at season three and we are going to be talking about a show that we all actually love. Uh, if you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. We've covered every existing episode and we're just so delighted that season five has begun filming. Uh, because oh we my will, gosh. We'll just delightedly so, cover season five. I'm so excited. Truly just like, like we say every time, the junk food of television. Even if you don't want to watch it, listen to our podcast for it. Like Brittany said, we have like so much fun on that podcast. Mm-hmm. The stakes are so low that we <laughs> literally just get to like make jokes and have fun the entire time. Yeah. So if 2020 is getting you down, um, I recommend I recommend listening to the Riverdale podcast. Just go listen to us be stupid about a stupid show. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. Um, we are just finishing up season two here, um, here and then we're going to be doing um season three uh concurrently with um the hundred next season i'll talk a little bit about that in a couple seconds if you're a fan of star trek we like to talk about that show too um Brittany and i have plans for our future of that podcast uh in 2021 uh but Brittany works like three jobs and i run the household so um we're busy, but it'll, it's going to happen. So far, we've covered all of season one of Picard, and um, it's a delight, and there's something for everybody. Uh, Robin is a new uh, Trekkie, so she asks all the dumb questions that you don't want to uh, admit to ask. I don't um, know anything. And then... And then we also have a round table with a couple of our friends, um, so it's just, we just have a lot of fun over there as well. If you're a fan of Lost, if, if we have a show about that. I if Even if you're not a fan of Lost yet, you will be soon. Um, <laughs> so go ahead and check that out. Our... Podcast is spoiler free. There's a spoiler section at the end, so if you want to watch along, you can. Uh, like while we're recording, and we also have guests over there. So if you are a fan of Lost and you'd like to come on the podcast, hit me up. Uh, I'm s- scheduling for season five, I think, uh, which is like uh, three years in the future. <laughs> but um, if you want to, uh, we'd love to have you. And um, it comes out monthly. It will continue to come out monthly. So um, if you're looking for uh, more regular. Aficionados content, that's her. That's your girl. You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, and YouTube. Uh, mostly on Twitter, but Robin does make gifts of our favorite line awards. So um, if you've heard a favorite line award of ours that you just really want as a gift for like 
reaction image purposes, um, go check us out on Tumblr and you will find it. Yeah. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because all of this is very expensive, like we said earlier. You've heard it all about Patreon <laughs> already, so I'm not going to talk your ear off, but I am going to tell you guys, um, I am not going to remind you again on this feed. Uh, our cutoff for getting the postcard and the stickers this year um, is November 16th. So if you want to join us for that, please do. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. Um, and you can also check out my embroidery business at Hybridy, which is H-I-B-Y-R-D on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Brittany's over there and she's been here uh, for a while and she is at Britannia's, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and at Shop Lux on Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, and TikTok as well. Please check those out. And also, I just want to double down on recommending becoming a Patreon for those stickers. Um, we've been designing them this month and they're just so freaking cute yeah they're like um, they're gonna be hollow and they're gonna be really well made stickers yeah. so you're gonna want to get those for sure so the next episode that's gonna be coming out on the speed is episode 301 it is one head of part one <laughs> um and it is going to be coming out to the public on february 3rd and they're gonna be coming out every six weeks so 2021 will have the first half of season three and 2022 will have the second half of season three and so on and so on. We're trying to stretch her out so that we always have the hundred content to be uh, looking forward to. Um, so it comes out to the public on February 3rd, but on Patreon, it will be on Patreon for patrons at all tiers on January 27th. So just another reason to join the Patreon. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.